Good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. And for the final time this semester, our buddy Prince Charles is here. We do uh, always have a lot of uh, rituals afterwards. We, uh, we, we swap jerseys. We become blood brothers. It's just the way that we do things around these parts. So, um, you know, we got to prick fingers and we got to share. That's just the way that it goes, man. Like, you know, and how blood brothers work, right? Like, I'm trying to think about how many... Uh, how many times I did that when I was a kid, and I don't want to know that. It, I, I don't think I want to know the number. I think I want to leave that alone and pretend like it never happened. A lot to do on the program today. Uh, we are going to talk about the, the stinky, stinky Orioles loss. Plus, uh, the Ravens do indeed sign their cornerback. They got a press conference coming up today with Lamar Jackson. Later on in the program, oh, we are awaiting Hunter Dickinson's announcement today. Of where he's going to transfer to. He said it's coming today. Today did not say when, so we kind of got to be stay woke, if you will. Um, Keep refreshing. Yes, essentially. That's sort of what we're doing. I guess he said he was going to announce it on Barstool's page. So I don't don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know anything, man. I know nothing. But we'll uh, keep looking out and seeing at what point that might come across. Um, later on in the program, Cade Povich is going to join us as we make our weekly trip to the Bowie Bay Sox. I wonder if Cade Povich knew Yanir Cano like at at all when they because they were both in the trade, right? Yeah. I'm going to guess because they're at very different levels. They had no recollection or they didn't know each other in any way. I wonder if he had any clue at all, like that that because everybody talked about Cade Povich sort of being the centerpiece of that deal. As it turns out, it was Cano. At least for now. Maybe Cade Povich will still prove to be that guy. He's off to a good start. Uh, we'll talk to him about that. Also this morning, Abby Myers, former Maryland women's basketball star, first-round pick of the Dallas Wings, will join us to preview their season. WNBA gets underway in two weeks. And this morning we will preview the Kentucky Derby, which is coming up on Saturday. I always hate this, that the draft, because it used to be the draft was like a week earlier, and so there was a little bit of separation. But now it's right from the draft into the Kentucky Derby, and I never have any time at all it's to exciting. prepare. It's well, I'm completely unprepared. You got to get I your have superfecta no in. You, you, you make to do you, your research. You make jokes. I used to be. I used to go do my show from the Kentucky Derby really? every year. I was Whoa. a big Kentucky Derby guy. I, I loved it, but I just don't have time to prepare for. And I I couldn't tell you a single thing about any of these horses. So we know ra- that one of them is owned by Ian Rappaport. That's is co-owned. It's co-owned. Ian Rappaport. Then none of them are the primary owner. They all only have a piece. Ian Rappaport, Lindsay Zarniak, and Joy Taylor all own a small piece of. I don't remember which horse it is. It's Jace's Road. Sure. Jace's Road. Sure it is. Randy Moss is going to join us from NBC to preview the Kentucky Derby. And uh, look ahead to who it is that might be coming to Baltimore in a couple weeks with some Triple Crown dreams. So that's all on the way on a Thursday edition of the program. Stinky, stinky, stinky last night from the Orioles. I I don't really even have the words if I'm being totally honest with you. At least they've solved it, though, because they got a third catcher. (laughs) The hell was that? It's one of those things where, like, Things are going well, so nobody really wants to talk about it. But, like, what? In what world does that make sense? Luis Torrens could be a game changer. Sure. He's got a lot of career left. He's only 27. So I, I made a joke. Yeah, he's only 27. But he's been so good, though. I made a joke yesterday. Like, and you see, some of you didn't think the Orioles were going to be willing to make the in-season trades they needed in order to win. So pff, don't you feel silly now. 
Luis, Luis Torrens, baby. I, I, if they carrying this guy on the roster for one day makes no sense. He's not good. He has no options. What is this? Was it like you think they sent five hundred dollars for him? Like I, no. I don't. But why, why would you do that? What am I missing? And somebody pointed out that like one of the minor league catchers got hurt, and I'm like, okay, what are you gonna do? Send down Rutschman? Like, what? How does this help? He can't go to the minors. Like the only thing I can assume is that you you ultimately DFA him and hope that he chooses that he liked the two days that he spent in Baltimore so much that. He sticks around and accepts yeah. the assignment. I'm so befuddled. And I, maybe they talked about it yesterday. Maybe there was an explanation and I just missed it. I was like, what is this? You, I, I didn't really this see this. This is insane. <laughs> this is dumb, 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 dumb. But whatever. It has nothing to do with what happened in the baseball game last night, which was stinky, 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 stinky. Um, first mean, time the Orioles were shut out this year. Yes, there are duds in baseball. It happens that way. You have games that are just simply duds. Even good teams go from through that. A little bit weird that it happened against... I mean, I guess somebody would say, hey, and is Zach Greinke? Sure, but, like, Zach Greinke hadn't been good. No, yeah, he was... I mean, he was 0-4. Gibson was 4-0, and... Well, I mean, Gibson's not been that great. Yeah. Like, he's just been uh, Orioles good, uh, essentially. Still got through six and two-thirds, and... Greinke... Records be damned. Granky stunk. Granky, it was awful. And I'm not trying to overreact in one game, but this is a dude that over the course of his uh, coming in was a pitch into a 6.66 ERA. I mean, just getting tattooed, and the Orioles managed three hits off of him in five innings. 44 pitches. Yeah, 44 pitches. Not a single walk. Nothing. I mean, this was as stinky as stinky gets. Granky hadn't been really walking anybody anyway, so that was that was what Ben McDonald was saying I, was their approach. And God bless. Like they were, they wanted to swing early, so they, they did. They, they were, yeah. yes, they were. They were helping out a great deal in that department. God, I, I again, the best you can do is say it's one game. The only thing that concerns you is now it makes today's game really important. It's not just about their streak of winning series. You'd like that to continue, but it's not the end of the world to lose that streak. The problem is, we keep talking about it. We all know what's ahead. And they needed to stockpile as many wins as they possibly could because it's not going to be easy now on this stretch they go on starting in Atlanta this weekend. Interesting strategy. They're going to keep Kramer in the rotation, but have him start against the Braves instead of starting today against the Royals? What? To really let them know like, how much confidence the, they have the, in him. The best argument that we came up with yesterday when we were doing Would You Rather Wednesday was, well, it's the Royals. <laughs> Although, in fairness, <laughs> Orioles pitching is not having that great deal of success against the Royals this week. Like The best argument we came up with for why Dean Kramer should stay in the rotation was, well, you know, it's the Royals. Maybe he can get a little confidence back. And instead, the Orioles are like, hey, why don't you go face the Braves? Good luck with that lineup. Someone just posted like the side by side pitching matchup. It's Max Freed on. Oh, Friday okay, night. good. He is an 0.45 ERA. Yeah. Kramer is six six seven. Maybe you're just accepting that you're going to lose the game anyway. I, I guess. Maybe that's sort of like them waving the white flag. Like, hey, look, guys, here's the deal. We're going to lose on Friday. So do we want to lose with Grayson or do we want to lose with Kramer? 
And I'm like, maybe we'll go ahead and lose with Kramer and go from there. Maybe they're setting him up. Maybe they want him to get his ass kicked so that then they can send him back down and say, yeah, maybe, maybe. like, it's Jeez. the fine. I don't know why they need one more yeah. bad outing in order to just go ahead and do that. Or maybe the argument is we don't really want that to be the spot where D.L. Hall makes his debut. Drew Rom had 11 strikeouts. I live had a few people message me yeah. about Drew Rom. Look, I still think it's a little early on Drew, Drew Rom, but I get the argument. I think there are other things. I think you need to do the Hall thing before that I think you need to get your answer on DL Hall. I get it. It's not exactly an ideal time for anybody to be making their debut, given the schedule. Given the schedule you're about to face, but I think that's the first thing you need to do is go get an answer on DL Hall. Unless, for example, you're feeling really good about how Bruce Zimmerman has been pitching and you want to give Bruce Zimmerman one more shot first. But yeah, I would probably go ahead and try to get my Hall answered. Like I would prioritize. D.L. Hall is the guy we got to get solved because we think he's talented enough to be here. It's just doing what? And so I would try to get that answer first. Let's figure out what D.L. Hall can be and then go from there and let these other guys, you know, fill in as necessary as the season goes on. The Orioles have decided Grayson Rodriguez is pitching today, and today becomes a pretty important day in order to make sure not only that you win the series, but again, that you you stockpile as many wins as you can going into this weekend series in Atlanta, and then I guess you go ahead and sacrifice Dean Kramer to the gods. I'm not. <laughs> I am. I. I. It, that seemed a little bit much. What, <laughs> what happens when he surprises us with you know six he innings goes and one and run? He stares down yeah. Max Free yeah. on Friday. Well, then he's probably going to keep his rotation yeah. spot, bro. That's probably the way that it's going to work out from there. All right, I'm, I have nothing more to say. It's a stinky, stinky loss. The, the Pasquatch, I love the Pasquatch. Oh, right, I saw that going the, around. The, the Bigfoot for when Finny Pasquatino yeah, gets a hit. I did I did see that. I think one. that's amazing. Um, <laughs> the other thing that was interesting yesterday was there was a lot of talk about the Amir Garrett thing. Oh. I don't, I I didn't, maybe I missed something. And again, admittedly, I don't watch post-game shows, and I don't, so if something was said afterwards, I got the sense that he was having fun with Brian Baker. I got the sense that when he pointed to the bullpen, and Amir Garrett's always been a showman when he, he's on the mound. And I, I but like, I thought he was like smiling right. and like you know how you like me now type of thing. I thought that was a, I I didn't sense that that was a shot at Brian Baker or like him being the fun police. Like how dare you celebrate when you pitch well? I got the sense that was more like, hey, let's let's have some fun. And I think there was a Amir Garrett made a statement afterwards about that, if I saw correctly. Um, do, 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 Amir Garrett said, uh, oh, hang on, Jacob Calvin Meyer from The Sun had something about this. And I can't find it. Of yeah, course. I mean, if it was, I guess it, something happened enough that they mentioned it coming back, at, coming out of the break, because like, cause I guess, because they cut okay. away. So Amir Garrett tweeted about it, said, mm-hmm. dish it out, you can take it. That has always been my motto. The, this game of baseball is fun. Win some, you lose some. We are competing at the highest level. I refuse to let the game I love get boring. The sellies, the swag, the emotion is what will make this game better. Okay. I mean, wh- what would be offensive about that? I really don't – I don't get it. Like, I, I, here's what I would say. If Amir Garrett was trying to police Brian Baker, then he's a douchebag. But I don't think that's the case. It it felt like him just sort of saying, hey, look, I I want to have fun too. And we had a good game, and I'm getting big outs, and so I want to have fun as well. And it, it, I don't see anything in there that's personal towards Brian Baker. Maybe he would have done the Cano pose too. Like I, you know, yeah. 
He just so happened to do the moonwalk thing, which Brian Baker was doing. So what? So, like the, I I don't I don't get what it is that we're we would be offended about by this. I don't understand why this. Like I, I guess you needed to know like what was happening. Was it Amir Garrett be getting mad about Brian Baker celebrate? Because if it was, then again, he's a baby. But it doesn't come off that way. It comes off like he's just trying to have some fun back with the opposing. Like we got a bullpen battle going on here, right? Like it's my, I, I get it. The Royals stink, but like they think they're good too. Amir Garrett thinks he's good too, and he wants to have fun. I got no be unless there's something I'm missing. Unless there was something that was said between these two dudes. But that explanation comes off just fine. Like, it doesn't, it's not something he needed to do, but who cares? It's a Brian Baker doesn't need to do it when he pitches. Cano doesn't need to do the pose when he pitches. These guys do these things, and they have every right to celebrate and have fun and enjoy. If somebody wants to do the same thing you did. I remember when Terrell Owens did the Ray Lewis dance after scoring a touchdown in an Eagles-Ravens game. I thought this city was going to burn. <laughs> it was going to burn. Now, Terrell Owens was kind of being a douchebag at that point, right? Like, he was just trying to do it to get under somebody's skin. This didn't even come off that way. This came off like, hey, man, I want to do it. I, it's cool. I want to do it, too. We had a big game, so I want to enjoy it myself. That, I just, I don't know, it was a weird hubbub that I noticed on Twitter in the aftermath of it when I didn't even think about it at first. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. No big deal. All right, so the Orioles wrap up the series this afternoon with Grayson Rodriguez on the mound for the finale against former Oriole Jordan Lyles this afternoon down in Kansas City. Everything's happening in the afternoon today, which really pisses me off. The Orioles play in the afternoon. I think like every single MLB game is in the afternoon. Um, the, the Hopkins-Maryland rematch is in the afternoon. What time is that one? 3.30. Oh, man. Over at Homewood Field. And, like, it's because they decided to give the women's tournament the night games tonight on Big Ten Network. I just feel like maybe they could have moved the days, like, done a Friday-Sunday for one. And it's just – I know Patrick, when we were talking to him the other day, was like, yeah, it's good news for me. right? And I get it. Like, he's not thinking about TV ratings. He's not thinking about how big the crowd could be. If they, But tonight, if they played a 7 o'clock game at Homewood yeah. Field, I think they would get a rabid crowd for a Maryland-Hopkins rematch in the Big Ten tournament. Instead, they're playing it at 3.30 in the afternoon. And I still think they'll do okay. I still think there'll be a, a, a surprisingly good crowd for a 3.30 Thursday afternoon lacrosse game, but it's just a real bummer. And then tonight, there's one basketball game. That's what we got. Everything's happening in the afternoon. Really frustrating. All right. Um, what else was I going to cover? Oh, right. So the Ravens. Let's get to that. Today's show, by the way, is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at AJMichaels.com. Remember we started that, read, and we were like, A.C. season is coming up fast, and we were all like, actually, it's here, and now yeah, all of a sudden. it's been freezing cold every morning this week. Stinks. Stinks, stinks, stinks on ice. God, it's wretched. Um, so the Ravens make a move yesterday, and they do, as we many of us expected, they do bring in Rocky Scene. Now, I, I don't have a whole lot to say other than it's the best of what was available. I think the question becomes, had they worked this out previously with Rocky Scene and said, hey, dude, we're going to sign you. Don't sign with anybody else. Just please wait it out so that we can get through the compensatory portion of this. 
And if you're willing to hang tight, you'll get a nice $6 million deal from us. I, I don't know exactly you know, how that whole thing worked out. Because we always want to sit back and say, well, they, the Ravens got their answer. And then on the flip side, somebody would say, yeah, but is he an answer? Why did nobody want him until now? And it's a fair question, right? The Raiders were not all that concerned about keeping him around. They were absolutely willing, willing to look elsewhere for secondary help. I am um, I'm not opposed to Rocky scene, certainly considering what it is the Ravens are going to be putting out there otherwise. I'm sure as hell not opposed to Rocky scene. He's, you know, he's a player. Yeah. I mean, he, he's not bad. He's just same when we talked about Leonard Floyd benefiting from Aaron Donald. You think it should help? I guess that you know he's going to have Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey. Well, yeah. I think the, he's going to be the guy that's going to be thrown at. Right. Like that's the reality. Like coming to Baltimore, you're going to get thrown at. So, but less number one assignments for him. So I, it's fine. I mean, how many teams have one wide receiver? Right. The Ravens. Like so. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe not this year. They're hoping yeah. that it's no longer the case. But yes, in the past that was the case. I guess maybe in the division, the Browns have really one wide receiver. The Bengals clearly do not have yeah, one wide Bengals receiver. Will be tough. <laughs> yeah, the the Steelers Steelers are a weird team because like they do kind of have one wide receiver, but at the same time, they always have another one. They added Allen Robinson. They did add Allen Robinson. And maybe he'll go back to oh Pickens. I forgot yeah. about Pickens. Yeah, Pickens look great. All right, so they don't really have one <laughs> wide receiver. How did I forget about Pickens? I mean, I get somebody's going to say, you know, his numbers weren't that overwhelming. I'm like, I don't know. The guy I saw looked like he was going to be a superstar. Right. He looked like a stud. Yeah, and you don't see receivers just bench pressing DBs off the line of scrimmage. Like, you don't see that every day. So No, not something you see every day. I, I am I, – I, this, this comes off very dismissive, and I know, like, it's my responsibility and my job to talk about these things, but I'm very indifferent towards Rocky Scene. I I think the Ravens' goal should have been to do better. But in, in fairness, we were a little bit down on Marcus Peters before he arrived. Like, when the Ravens made that trade, they think there were people in it. There was a reason why the Rams wanted to do better than Marcus Peters. There was a reason why they wanted to go out and target Jalen Ramsey because they wanted to improve. Well, when Marcus Peters arrived in Baltimore, he was exactly what the Ravens needed. Um it's fine is all I can come around on. It's fine. They had to do something, and this certainly qualifies as something. It's a one-year deal, so, like, it's not – it can't be bad. It's one year. Even if he's really not a guy, then he'll just be gone, and life will move on, and they'll definitely have to figure out if one of these other younger players can step up. And that, to me, is the bigger story for the Ravens this season – in the secondary is they've put a lot of investment into picks, hoping that one of them would step up and prove to be a player. And in moments, we have thought that Brandon Stevens could be that guy. I still think Brandon Stevens is more a part of the solution than a part of the problem, but nobody wanted to see him line up right now as a starting outside cornerback. They also would like to be able to use Marlon Humphrey on the inside more, and so... Brandon Stevens and Rocky Seen sometimes might be the outside cornerbacks if both are healthy and on the field. They could still bring back Fuller, too. That is still a possibility. And they use Kyle Hamilton, obviously, in coverage. And I think that was one of the things that surprised us the most last season is how comfortable Kyle Hamilton looked in coverage. But they don't want to have to force him into coverage because they want to be able to use him as a chess piece as well and move him around and do some different things with him. 
this is this was something they had to do, essentially. It would have been nice if they could have done better. And it'll certainly present us if, like, Deontay Banks is a rock star this season and Zay Flowers is a guy, we're going to think about that. We're going to think about how badly this team needed a cornerback and we're going to watch those things. It's one of those, and we did it last year with Pickens, ironically, right? The Ravens mm-hmm. desperately needed a wide receiver. They took David Ajabo, and again, I think all of us in the moment were good with them taking David Ajabo because we're like, hey, it's a first-round talent, right? And like, you're getting a special player. It's something that's worth doing. But at the same time, you were desperate at wide receiver, desperate at the position. Pickens looks like kind of a special player. We'll see. I mean, it's not a certainty that he's going to be that guy, but he's looked like kind of a special player, and it's a tough pill to swallow. And we'll do the exact same thing because of the desperation at the position if the Ravens struggle in the secondary, if that's an issue, and if Zay Flowers is not a stud to start things off and Deontay Banks, particularly because he's a local kid, if Deontay Banks is killing it, we will – it'll come up. It won't just be here. It'll be Twitter. It'll be everywhere. It'll come up during the course of next season. Hopefully, they got it right. Hopefully, Zay Flowers really is that type of special, and they can get by this season with what they have. But they could really use Jalen Armour Davis, Brandon Stevens. They could really use the guys that they have identified stepping up and showing that they're ready to be more significant contributors in the NFL and not have all of this fall on, you know, Will Rocky a scene prove to be a guy? And again, I think he's serviceable. Like, I think he's. I think you can do worse. I think they have done worse in recent years who they've lined up out there. But it is interesting that two different organizations have sort of said, yeah, we're good. Like, yeah, we're we're okay. We're we're okay. We can go ahead and move on from Rocky scene already in a very young part of his career. And as we mentioned, the Ravens could still do something else. They could still bring back Fuller. They could still, I mean, they could still bring back Marcus Peters. I guess at this point, like those things are still on the table that they could still try to find more help and more veterans in the secondary. I think some people. It's interesting that Adrian Amos still hasn't signed anywhere too. Not that he's a corner; he's a safety. But it's interesting that he still hasn't signed anywhere. And maybe he, because he came in for a visit, the Baltimore native. Maybe he could still be in the mix to come back and play for the Ravens as well. Today, the Ravens will hold their Lamar Jackson press conference, 12.30 this afternoon, and he will meet with the media. And it's it's weird because, like, there are important questions to be asked, but they're no longer really news-related. They're questions about the past. That's the weird part about this particular press conference is, there's nothing that you can ask moving forward. I guess you could ask about, here are some relevant questions that could come up today. Have you talked to Todd Munkin, and are you trying to get designed runs out of the offense moving forward? The relationship with Todd Munkin and what this offense would look like, what, what input did you give? What did the Ravens tell you about what this offense would look like? That's relevant moving forward. The more interesting stuff and the questions that people are going to want to ask at the press conference today are going to be moving backwards. It's going to be, why did you give up trying to get $200 million worth of guaranteed money? 
why did you want Odell Beckham so badly? Why? It's going to be things that kind of don't matter anymore because they've been solved. But they still... If I was doing an interview with Lamar Jackson, I would be in the same place. I would still want to know the answers. Hey, what got us to this point? How did we get here? What happened? When you requested a trade, what changed? It's irrelevant because Lamar Jackson is going to be the Ravens quarterback. None of those questions are you going to get answers that actually matter. We're just kind of interested in it. Because that's who we are. It's sort of like the, it's not tabloid, that's unfair. It's, I don't know, it's, it's in our nature. It doesn't change anything. Nothing that Lamar Jackson would say in response to, what could he possibly say in response to being requesting a trade that would matter? That would... I mean, yeah. No. I, I mean, i got to really think about it, right? Unless he requested another trade today. Right, <laughs> unless there was a new request. Or, I mean, I... Just, I mean... I, I genuinely don't know. I genuinely don't know what he could say that would matter, right? That would impact what happens with the Baltimore Ravens moving forward. But yet, I get that we have to ask the question. I get that someone today is going to have to ask, what happened from the day that you requested a trade to now? Why did you request the trade, and what changed your mind? That question will have to be asked. And the dirty secret might be, or like the part of it that's that's not that doesn't bleed, that's not interesting to us, is the answer might be very simple and very pragmatic. I did want to be traded, but then they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on me, and they made it clear that they were going to keep me around, and so no team was willing to try to put a trade offer in for me. Now, I don't know that Lamar is going to say that. My guess is Lamar is probably going to handle this about as, a, as easy as he can. He'll probably say, I don't really want to get into all that. Yeah, he'll just say, all water under the bridge, I'm on to week one. That's that's my yeah. guess. My guess is, now that it's all done, now that it's over, Lamar Jackson will just sort of say, you know, that's part of negotiating, that's part of how things work. Although, in fairness, I don't. that's the other awkward part, is that normally when, when quarterbacks go in for these types of press conferences, there's kind of an owner that's prepped them, or sorry, an agent that's prepped right. them for all of that. Hey, Here's what you say. Here's what you should not say. I don't know who's prepping Lamar for a press conference like this. That that could be the interesting part about this is maybe Ken, Ken Francis. Maybe maybe it's Ken, right? Maybe He's that's businessman. Right, that's our guy. Um, I no, I don't think that's necessary any longer. <laughs> I mean, good. I I, I, I wish him well. I, I don't have any ill will towards Ken Francis, but I just don't think that's going to be necessary. That's what you would expect someone to say in that situation. You would expect a quarterback to just say. I'm not getting into all that. You know, it's all negotiations happen. It's all good. We're happy. Life's we're moving forward. Maybe there's some world in which Lamar Jackson, just because he's such a unique, this is such a unique situation, he's such a unique case. Maybe there's a world in which Lamar Jackson does have something interesting to say about the topic. But I kind of be surprised. I kind of. I just sort of expect it to be, yeah, I'm not really getting into all that. It, what happened, happened. I signed, all's good. Like, we're moving forward, as Charles said. We're on the week one. We're on the, oh, we don't know who the opponent yeah. is because they haven't announced the schedule yet. I guess the word is they're going to announce the schedule. I think next weekend? Or, I, uh, I think I thought I, I thought I saw two weeks from oh, okay. 
I thought I saw the 17th. Oh, for some reason, I thought I saw the 12th or something. Oh. Maybe. Well, the 12th will be a Friday, so that wouldn't make uh, sense. Yeah. They're not going to announce it on a Friday. They normally announce it. They like want to get. Thurs. They want to get. But either a Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, at the latest Thursday. But even Thursday, only get one day of. of they play. like to try yeah. to get a little bit more of the the cycle if they can yeah. out of the schedule announcement. Everybody's like, oh, eleven and seven, or know, yeah, all the six. dumb. Let's look through the schedule and decide what they're going to win and what they're going to lose. They want to get all of that as much as they can from the announcement on top of a primetime special. So speaking of announcements, what Hunter Dickinson? Oh, has decided. Okay, he will no longer play in the Big Ten. Uh, Kansas, yeah, Kansas, yeah, is where Sounds he is going right. to go. There was a lot of talk about Kansas in the last couple of days. There was <laughs> a lot of conversation. Did um, did there one guy Grady Dick? Did he declare yet? Or? I think he did declare for the draft. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, there was a, there's a guy from South Dakota State that a lot of teams are um, are after. So the the Kansas thing. Hang on. I, it just two things. One, I this is weird for me, as you guys know, because as much as I've said all along that I thought Maryland would be better with Hunter Dickinson, at the same time, I still don't know that I thought it was the right basketball fit. It was the one that was available, so I, I get it, and it was the one you thought you could get. It's a reminder that Maryland still ain't Kansas or Kentucky. Maryland was in on this only because of where Hunter Dickinson is from. And in a way, it's kind of demoralizing that a kid that desperately wanted to be recruited by Maryland and whose point guard and coach from high school are both on the team and that still isn't enough to get him to come to Maryland. On that, from, from that lane, it's a bit demoralizing. It's a reminder of what Kansas is and that Maryland isn't. When you go visit at Kansas, you're like, right, so basketball is everything here. And I know that we want Maryland to be that, but it's a reminder that Maryland hasn't been, that they didn't follow up their national championship win with establishing themselves as a blue blood program. And they're still trying to build something. So... Once you're getting involved, I, I know a couple of people, this was brought up regularly during this process. When you're up against Kansas and you're up against Kentucky, like, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. Add in the NIL advantages that someone like Kansas might have because of all the money that gets pumped into that program, you're going to be in a really, really difficult spot. The hope was that Hunter Dickinson just wanted to be at Maryland so badly that that wouldn't matter. Now, Hunter Dickinson does kind of make himself a, a like, almost historic villain now yeah. among Maryland fans. Like, to have hated Maryland so much, then made people believe he might come to Maryland, then to spur them anyway, yo, he is going to be a dislike figure. I don't care. I just don't. Man, if they see each other in, in, the, in the tournament, oh, oh man. Um, I don't care, but I, I get it. It's, that's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough thing for Maryland fans to swallow that a kid that so badly wanted Maryland to love him, Maryland said, okay, we'll choose to love you. And then you said, okay, yeah, that's not enough either. Sorry. We're not, not doing that. So that'll be a, that'll be a bitter pill. And that'll be something that 
you know, he will be a villain kind of eternally amongst this Maryland fan base because of it, although I, I don't really know how long that means. He's going to play one more year of college basketball. Right. In a conference that they never see. So. Maybe he'll he'll have a small career. I, he does not, not come off like somebody who's going to have much of an NBA career or else he would already be in the NBA at this point. So I don't know how much that matters. I don't know. that He might be forgotten about in five to ten years. Um, you know, Maryland wanted him. I know that much. And to the point that it seemed like they had kind of gone all in on Hunter Dickinson, there's not another Hunter Dickinson caliber player to be had. They got Jordan Geronimo. Like, no offense, and we're actually going to have him on the show tomorrow, but, like, he ain't Hunter Dickinson. From a basketball standpoint, I, I think that their incoming freshmen, it's more important like, can Deshaun Harris-Smith become a game-changer quickly for Maryland? That will determine how much they can rise a year from now. And a reminder that the team that had Hunter Dickinson last year didn't make the NCAA tournament. And the team that had another seven-foot big that everything went through in the Big Ten didn't win a game in the NCAA tournament. I don't know that the seven-foot kind of oafy big man is the way that you're going to go about having success in the NCAA tournament. That recent history would say it ain't. That you need athleticism, you need speed, you need to get up and down the floor, you need wings, you need stretch guards. And that is while Juju Reese playing the five is maybe unnatural, it might be as beneficial, honest to God, just to have Hunter Dickinson out of the Big Ten. Mm -hmm. One less kind of crazy big man that you have to go up against. Remember, Maryland beat Purdue in one of those games last year and damn near beat him twice. That might be just as beneficial to not have to go up against that. And what you're doing might ultimately be the better way of trying to go about win tournament games. But you need more, clearly you need more shooting. You desperately need more shooting. Hunter Dickinson wasn't going to solve that for you. It's... I get it. There's going to be a lot of disappointment today among Maryland fans, and I'm not trying to just do a spin zone thing. Anybody who can listen to this show will go back, and every conversation we've had, I've said the same thing. I, I get it. He's what's available, so that's what you want, and you think you have a shot because he's a DeMatha kid, but I don't know that it's the right fit basketball-wise. Right. Same reason Towson was out. Right, exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Otherwise, so, I think they would have been leading the exactly. pack. No, you I, were ahead on it, though, because I remember we, we, the talks of this started right around the tournament, and it went in perfect correlation with the dude from Purdue, Zach Eady, losing in the first round, and you looked at it as this, like this Big Ten. Big Ten bigs just don't work. Big Ten basketball has has is good for playing in the Big Ten. You can succeed in the Big Ten playing Big Ten basketball, but when you get to March, the Big Ten basketball seems to be a real problem, and it's a difficult thing, right? Because you need to win enough Big Ten games in order to suit yourself well for March. Although I guess this year. A lot of teams showed you don't have to win that many games. You can be a lower seed and still do quite well. But you you want to win more games during the regular season, so you want to play and battle with the style that's being played in the conference. But ultimately, you're going to be judged by what you do in the NCAA tournament, and that doesn't appear to be helpful. What did Luca Garza do in the NCAA tournament? Nothing. But this is what we're, where we're at. These dudes can be difference makers in the Big Ten. But when you get to the NCAA tournament and they're playing teams that are more athletic and are getting up and down the floor and are making you play their style, you're effed. So I'm not just trying to pacify 
that it's okay that Maryland didn't get Hunter Dickinson. It is. It's demoralizing. It's, it sucks that a kid that wanted to be loved by Maryland still wouldn't come to Maryland. Loaded with connections, and Maryland still couldn't get him when they wanted him. That's demoralizing. No way around it. But at the same time, from a basketball fit, I have never been, I have never once told you I thought this made the most sense or I thought this was the difference. I think the difference is going to be from those freshmen next season. I think the difference is going to be, is there a, can Dante Scott be better and more consistent than he was this year? That, to me, will tell the story of Maryland basketball. I don't think, I think Hunter Dickinson was going to go a long way into getting excitement, getting people fired up, getting people to buy some tickets, getting them in the top 10 in the preseason rankings, all of those things. I think it was going to help in every single one of those ways. But in actually making the next step and the next run as a program? Yeah, I mean, you look at the Big Ten teams that won a tournament game. Penn State was one of them. They're a team that is has heavy guard play, Jalen Pickett, and they shoot a lot of threes. They won a game. Maryland, they're led by Jameer Young. They won a game. Michigan State made it to the Sweet 16. Yeah, the Sweet 16, mm-hmm. and they have Malik Hall, Tyson Walker. Strong guard play, and that's that's what matters in the tournament. That's, and that's You have to be good enough to survive the Big Ten and the bigs. Um, yeah, and I mean, then, you got to be able to you got to be able to battle in the Big 10 and not get, not drown, mm-hmm. not lose so many games that you can't overcome it. But you got to be set up for March. Like that it's a it's a very difficult like it, it's the it's the eternal well you got to be able to do both. Yeah, but you got to prioritize it's more important that you be able to win that style of play in, in March than it is that you be able to bang and go up against those bigs in the Big Ten. And again, there's there's one of them that's gone now. Yeah. You don't have to go up against Hunter Dickinson next season. He's going to be somewhere else. So, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's such a weird thing because I don't want to make it seem like it's just me saying, hey, it's not that big of a deal. From a, In just a recruiting vacuum, in a showing your program – it would have been a great statement for Kevin Willard and for Maryland basketball to have landed Hunter Dickinson. It would have done a lot for the next kid they're talking to. For Derek Queen, who, by the way, is a big. That's the ironic part, right? Like, Derek Queen's the big one, and he, he's 6'9". He's not 7' <laughs> foot, but he's 6'9". Um, for Derek Queen, which is the, it's like the antithesis of every Baltimore kid ever. Like, this is the first ever Baltimore kid that you've ever gone after that was a genuine big. I mean, I guess Will Bowers once upon a time, but he was a donkey, so I don't think that really... <laughs> like, I think there's a comparison there. Um, but you want Derek Queen to be like, wow, Hunter Dickinson's choosing Maryland? Like, something's happening there. There's something really... You want that. You want to win a recruiting battle over Kansas, over Kentucky. You want that to be the case because it shows well for your program. But you did that once upon a time with Diamond Stone, and what did you have to show for it? Like, yeah. It's not always about that. It's about putting the best basketball players on the floor. So, I, I again, I know there's a lot of disappointment today. I understand that, and I know that the Maryland fan base will be deflated by this news, but I'm just not that guy. I have never thought that the best thing for Maryland basketball, from a basketball standpoint, was Hunter Dickinson. I think the best thing for Maryland basketball is those freshmen. It's Deshaun Harris-Smith and Dante Scott. Dante Scott improving 
Dante Scott being consistent yeah. would go a long way towards the next level for Maryland basketball. The news this morning, Hunter Dickinson, again, uh, the Michigan transfer, the DeMatha alum, he has chosen to transfer to Kansas and passed on the opportunity to come play at Maryland with his former uh, point guard, Jameer Young, and his former high school coach, Mike Jones. So that's the bummer that Maryland fans are feeling this morning. All right, I guess we can't take a break. I guess we're just yeah. going to roll right through. That's all good. We can do that. Today's show brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. So this is the first ever baseball season that here in Maryland you can bet from your phone. I mean, legally anyway. It's the first time you could ever do it. And because of that, a lot of the sports books are offering you great incentives. But in order to take advantage of them, you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. For example, you can get five second-chance bets from PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50. But again, you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, click on the PointsBet logo, and that is how you would go about taking advantage of that offer from PointsBet through the link at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. It's the only way to do it. There's no password. There's no, hey, I'm on the website. No, pressboxonline.com slash offers. That is the one and only way for you to take advantage of this deal. All right, speaking of betting, we are going to preview the Kentucky Derby here in one minute. Do we, uh, why don't we take a break? Why don't we do that? We'll grab a break. And then Randy Moss from NBC, scheduled to join us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of PressBox is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available daily Day and night, it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. 
qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I swear. On second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Again, the news this morning, Hunter Dickinson not coming to the University of Maryland. He is instead headed to Kansas, as he has announced. And uh, we'll see if there's anybody else in the transfer portal that Maryland goes after. I think that... uh, Jeff Ehrman had kind of been saying, like, nah, that's not really the case, that, like, this is sort of Hunter Dickinson, and then if not, they've got the guys that they have, and they will roll with that. does certainly mean that Juju Reese is definitely going to stick around at the five moving forward to next season. I can't imagine there's a starting five that they would bring in, it, you know, even if somebody else does pop up in the transfer Perry Ellis portal. is probably still out there. Right, so. Perry Ellis could be a – what's the deal with Shibwe, by the way? What's going on with him? Is he definitely uh, – like, I, I feel like was that was part of the awkwardness pro. of the, the Kentucky situation is that, like, the people think he's going pro, but, like, that's not a certainty. I, I don't know. I, I think he was going to go pro, too, but it's, it's just weird how all this is working now where, like, you – you don't have to make your decision until later, whereas other players are kind of making their own decisions. It's just sort of a whole deal. But yes, it, the, the, the reality is it will not be Hunter Dickinson playing at the University of Maryland. That is the part that we know, as he is going to head and play at Kansas. All right, still to come today, we are going to chat with uh, Kate Povich from the Bowie Bay Sox, uh, Orioles pitching prospect. Also, Abby Myers is going to join us, and the crew from Hartford Community College is going to stop by the studio this morning. They are hosting the national championship in lacrosse this year. They're going to tell us more about that. That is all on the way today on GCR. But, admittedly, I have not been able to do nearly enough work on the Kentucky Derby this year. That is my by burden of it coming on the heels of the NFL draft and a busy lacrosse season for me. So I need a little help as we prepare for the Kentucky Derby. Joining us now, he will be part of the team working the broadcast for NBC on Saturday. It's been a longtime friend of ours. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the program Mr. Randy Moss, who is with us here on GCR. Randy, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up. Thank you so much for taking the time for us this morning. Sure. Likewise, Glenn. Looking forward to uh, getting to Baltimore for the Preakness in right. a couple of weeks. I would look forward always, to always, look, always excited about that. Hey, Randy, you know, let me let me stay because it's been a, a story locally. And before we get to the Derby itself, I know there's also, you know, been a little bit going on with um, some horses down at Churchill. Uh, it's been kind of a strange spring for horse safety. And the situation at Laurel Park here was very weird with the surface. Um I know it's difficult because we're going to get to Saturday and there's going to be a horse race and we're going to celebrate these horses and we're going to celebrate the sport. But these last few weeks, should we be paying more attention to these safety issues? Should this be getting more of a conversation? Because it feels like this has been 
Like, I know these things happen, but it feels like this has been a little bit worse these last few weeks and months than maybe I, I remember it being in other years. Well, there's an alternate way to look at this, and I'm not trying to sweep anything under the rug at all, but there is, and it's a good thing, there is very much an increased awareness around the country on, on horse safety and horse safety issues. Um, it, I kind of, I mean, it's, it's been going on for a long time, but really the last two or three years, you know, it has really accelerated. And I think the fact is if these situations, like we had at Churchill Downs, like we had at Laurel, if these situations were going on 10, 15 years ago, people wouldn't even know about it. Yeah, that's true. You, you would, you wouldn't even, they wouldn't have been in the news. You wouldn't really be hearing about it. Uh, the fact that it's being called to people's attention right now is a good thing because, you know, it, it's, it needs to be in the forefront of everyone's mind. It, and, and it is with racetrack owners now around the country. And when something like this happens, like happened at Laurel uh, with the spate of horse deaths, then you need to try to address it ASAP which is what they did. I've been around racing for, my God, 40, 45 years. And it certainly wasn't always like this. Um, horse safety was way down the list of priorities way back in the day. Hmm. And it's not that way now, and that's a, and that's a good thing. It's, I think it's a very fair way of saying it, Randy, is that the, unfortunately in, in the past it would have kind of been like, eh, whatever, a horse has died, nobody cares. And that's a terrible way to say things. So exactly um, that it is it is a very fair point that's made. You don't feel like the let me because I do want to talk about the Derby. I promise you you don't. No, that's fine. That's fine. You don't feel like this is a case of additional negligence as much as this just happens. Like, for example, at at Laurel, it's the surface, right? That everybody said was the problem. That these things happen within the sport. And when they happen, they just simply have to be addressed. You don't think there's an additional level of negligence that has entered into the sport in recent years? No, I don't. As a matter of fact, I think there is more vigilance in the sport over the last few years than there's ever been before about situations like this. And that's why you're reading and hearing about these situations. And when it comes to the racing surface, I mean, I was in track management at one time. And my, one of my duties, it was a long time ago, one of my duties was racetrack surface hmm. uh, at Oakland Park, at hmm. Oakland Park in, uh, in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I can tell you firsthand experience, it, you know, there's science involved, uh, per, the correct percentages of moisture, the correct percentages of sand versus silt versus clay, the type of sand, the type of silt. Uh, making sure the track is level, making sure the cushion is consistent, making sure the base is in good shape. It is so complicated that it's very easy for something to go just a little bit wrong. And sometimes when a a dirt surface goes a little bit wrong, uh, horses get injured and then you have to stop and fix it. And I think that's exactly what's happened at Laurel, or at least from what I understand, from what I've read, I haven't been there. That's what's happened at Laurel. And you know, they've addressed it and hopefully uh, hopefully fixed it. All right. He is Randy Moss from NBC. He is with us here on GCR as we get ready for the Derby on Saturday. Randy, um, why is it that the two Pletcher horses are standing out for everyone and the belief is that these are the horses to beat in the Kentucky Derby? Well, I mean, they are 
on paper the two favorites, and they deserve to be the two favorites, uh, Forte and Tappet Trice. But, you know, they are far from dominant favorites, right? I mean, Forte looked like he might be a dominant favorite earlier in the year when he won the, his first race of the year when he won the Fountain of Youth. He's extremely accomplished. He was the two-year-old champ last year. He won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Looked really good in the Fountain of Youth. And then he came back in his final prep in the Florida Derby. And, yes, he won, but he didn't win in the fashion that you would like to see a Kentucky Derby favorite win. Hmm. Right? He looked like he was beaten at the top of the stretch and even in mid-stretch. And he managed to pull it out, but it was far from an overwhelming victory. Tappet Trice. Probably has more talent than Forte. Big, beautiful, long-striding horse. But he is the type of horse that when he gets going, it's like a it's like a runaway freight train. And you don't want anything to blunt his momentum. Because once he stops, once he has to wait in traffic or anything like that, uh, the thinking is, because of, the, of his stride and the way he runs his races, it's difficult for him to kind of get restarted again. Right, he's he's not the kind of horse that's real quick and handy, okay. and can just dash into holes and wait and dash into the next hole and quick acceleration. It it takes him a while to wind up, and then when, once he gets rolling, he really gets rolling. But because they don't want to get him stopped in traffic, they're going to try to get him to the outside. So the question then becomes, how wide will he be? Sure, especially it, in a twenty-horse field, right? <laughs> yeah, is he good enough to win the Kentucky Derby? If he's six wide around the second turn, maybe he is. But, you know, experience would tell you that he's probably not. If I could get down on him right now, and I guess I could somewhere, on him to win the Belmont Stakes, I'd do it right now. Really? Because, oh, yeah, yeah, he's probably the Belmont Stakes winner. And if and because he's trained by Todd Pletcher, mm-hmm. if he loses in the Kentucky Derby, they'll, you're they'll, not going to yep, see him in They'll skip the Preakness, yep. Mm-hmm. They'll skip the Preakness because of the two weeks. Uh, but you know, he is a very, very talented horse. Um, who else really stands out to you, Randy, as you look at this field and say, you know, I'm not trying to think there's a rich strike to be had, right? Like I'm not going that route, but who else stands out to you? And you say, I I think this is a horse we need to talk about more heading into Saturday. Well, there's a horse that's been talked about a lot already. Um, and he's going to be, you know, six, seven to one, eight to one, maybe the third choice, maybe the fourth choice is the Japanese horse, Derma Sotogake. Mm-hmm. Um, no Japanese horse has ever won the Kentucky Derby. Japanese horses are dominating, dominating worldwide, everywhere they run. Um, there, you know, there are international uh, races at the Breeders' Cup, for example. Two years ago, Japanese brought two horses to the Breeders' Cup. Both of them won. Uh, they didn't have any horses this past Breeders' Cup. When they go to Saudi Arabia, they dominate. When they go to Dubai, they dominate. When they go to Hong Kong, they dominate. So it's just a matter of time before the Japanese win the Kentucky Derby. And this horse looked really good winning the UAE Derby. Now, you know, horse racing, you know, Glenn, there's, it's always point counterpoint. One of the counter, one, you know, one of the uh, arguments against Derma Sotogake is that it, the racetrack in Dubai that he won over in the UAE Derby, as impressive as he won was said to be uh, speed and rail favoring. Okay. And he raced on on the lead and on the rail. So was that race as good as it looked, or was he helped hmm. by the way the track was playing? That's hmm. something that people are going to have to ask themselves. 
But he ran the fastest, in my opinion, of any of the three-year-olds coming in to the Kentucky Derby, and he's been looking good here at Churchill Downs. He is Randy Moss, of course, NBC's coverage of the Kentucky Derby gets underway at noon on Saturday post-time, just before 7 o'clock. Randy, is there, you know, I joked about, you know, is there a rich strike? Is there a horse that is, you know, there, there's money to be made on that you say, I'm not telling you he's going to win, but maybe you throw him into a bet or two that you make because there's just enough there, despite the long odds, to think that they could be a factor in this race on Saturday. There's a lot of them. There, there really are. Because, you know, if you don't like Forte, and I really, you know, kind of don't like Forte, wow. and if you think that tap, and if you think that tap it trice, is a really good horse, but he might get caught too wide or he might get stopped in traffic or something like that, and he's more of a Belmont horse maybe than a Kentucky Derby horse, then you've thrown the doors wide open. Sure. Thrown it wide open, right? I mean, you've got a horse named Two Phils who won a prep race at a smaller track in Kentucky on a synthetic racing surface. Now, yeah, it was the best race of his life. Was it the synthetic surface that did it? Or was it just three-year-old improvement, which you see from horses sometimes? If it was the latter, he could easily win the Kentucky Derby. And two fills is he's twelve to one in the program, but he's, I think he's probably going to go off. You know, more like more like twenty to one. Hmm. Uh, you've got a horse, Mage, who was the runner-up in the Florida Derby, who's probably going to be twenty to one. Skinner, who I think may have the best chance of any long shot in the race, hmm. he's twenty to one in the program. He was hmm. third in the Santa Anita Derby. It's a good jockey change to uh, Juan Hernandez. Not the jockeys make that much of a difference anyway in the Kentucky Derby, but uh, Jerry Bailey's laughing behind me. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but Skinner, I mean, he just he, he got in as the result of, of a couple of dropouts, and I, he's, in with a, he's in with a big chance. So, yeah, I think uh, there are definitely some long shots who could uh, – who can make some noise? All right. What is the storylines, right? Like, aside from, from betting and who's going to win, run me through. Unfortunately for us here in Baltimore, not really any, like, local connections necessarily. But give me a couple of storylines that you guys are going to be going into on Saturday that you think are interesting beyond just who's going to win the race. Well, you've got the Japanese storyline, which is obviously, obviously huge. Uh, almost all of these Japanese horses trace back in their pedigree to the stallion that completely revolutionized horse racing in Japan named Sunday silence who won the Kentucky Derby back in 1989. The American breeders wanted nothing to do with him. So the Japanese made a nice offer and he was sold to Japan for stud duty because Americans didn't want him. And he became one of, if not the most influential uh, stallion in the world and maybe the greatest maybe the greatest preakness of all time yeah yeah and 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 certainly turned japanese racing around so that's that's kind of a cool story right coming into here uh, brad cox has yeah. mm. has been dominating all year with his three-year-olds he's got four and todd pletcher has three so that's seven of the 20 starters just running out of just running out of two different barns so you know that's kind of almost sort of you know, Wayne Lucas-esque. Coolmore has never managed to win the Kentucky Derby, nor has Godolphin. Um, they're the two leading racing slash breeding operations in the world. Coolmore uh, has Verifying, who is one of Brad Cox's horses, uh, who I think has, uh, you know, has an excellent chance to win. So, you know, all kinds of storylines. Um, 
as always, as always in the Kentucky Derby. No question about it. At uh, make sure you're following Randy this week at Randy underscore Moss underscore TV, and of course coverage of the Kentucky Derby all day on Saturday on NBC. Randy, always appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time. Can't wait to see you here in Baltimore in a couple of weeks. All right, Glenn. Looking forward to it. Take care. Get Thanks, those crabs bro. ready. No I'm doubt. Out. We got you, man. Thank you, Randy. Randy Moss with us here on GCR previewing the Kentucky Derby. Appreciate him doing that. We wind down our number one of today's show. If you have not signed up yet, Pressbox has a great contest running right now at pressboxonline.com slash contests. You can check out all of the area's minor league baseball teams. Four tickets to each of the area's minor league baseball teams, plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. Go sign up right now, pressboxonline.com slash contests. You must be 18 years old or older in order to enter, and the sweepstakes ends on June 14th, pressboxonline.com slash contests. And if you do, one of the teams you'll be able to check out is the Bowie Bay Sox. And it's time for us to make our weekly trip to Bowie to chat with a member of the Bay Sox. Joining us now, someone who's off to a very nice start, pitching to a 3-7 ERA, a 1-2 whip so far through four starts. Came over last year in the Jorge Lopez deal. It's a pleasure to catch up with Cade Povich here on GCR. Cade, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Okay, before I get into you, I have to ask you, when you guys came over in this deal, did you have any idea who Yanir Cano was and what he was all about? Did you have any clue that this dude was going to prove to be a rock star within, like, you know, less than a year of his arrival? (laughs) Uh, I'll be honest. I mean, I knew of him a little bit um, with the Twins, and I've seen him around uh, the complex a little bit, and I knew he was in AAA, but... To be honest, that's about all I've yeah. known. And yeah, he's off to an unbelievable start yeah, so far. It's unreal, isn't it, man? It's totally unreal. Hey, um, ha- have you felt, you know, like settled? I, I know when you arrived last year, I, it, someone who's still very young in your career, probably a little bit of a shock to the system, and you got to get in, figure out what everybody's all about. Had you, did you feel coming into this year like you were comfortable with the organization and their expectations for you and they, what you wanted to see? And have you felt settled as the season got underway? Definitely. I mean, I think those few weeks after getting traded um, to the end of the season was kind of getting my feet wet, trying to figure out um, what things are important, what what's looked at, how, how the org develops players and pitchers. Um, and then over the off season, it's just kind of continuing that communication and, uh, you know, getting comfortable and then, working at some camps too over the um, off season time and then, you know, just building on that in spring training. So um, I've I've definitely been able to kind of get myself a little comfortable as far as um, what the system's like. Did you feel like you understood what it is that the organization wanted from you this year? Yeah. I mean, I think for the most part, just go out there and compete and continue to try and, um, move your way up. I mean, um, but, you know, it sounds pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, right. It sounds like, hey, right. man, that's probably what I was going to do anyway. <laughs> so that works out just fine. Kate, um, 
Take right. me through what your goals were coming into this year when you set. I, look, I get it. You're trying to get to the bigs, all of those things. But realistically, what were your own priorities for this season at the AA level? I mean, overall, it's just, you know, you want to continue doing well. Um, you know, you kind of want to perform at your best. I think for me, it was the most, the biggest thing I looked at was, was the consistency aspect. Um, just trying to put one day in front of another and then continue to build off starts and, and try and make each start better than the next. He is Cade Povich. He's with us here on GCRs. We're making a trip down to Bowie to chat with the Bay Sox. Um, Cade, walk me through your pitches. Walk me through where you're at with all of them. Is there anything that you have been working on or trying to add to your arsenal or just, just where you're at with everything that you're throwing at the moment? Yeah, at the moment I'm throwing uh, just the forcing fastball and a changeup, curveball, cutter, slider. Um, so five pitches trying to right now really just just focus on four the slider might make its way in here and there okay um, you know it's it's been a good pitch in the past but uh it's obviously much more it's it's much easier to focus on four pitches than it is um five consistently so making sure we got the four down before you know we try and push another pitch um yeah <laughs> I get that, right? Like, I can certainly understand keeping focused on what's working. Uh, what was working your last start out against Richmond? Because you were pretty unhittable in that game. What was working particularly well that day? Yeah, the fastball was, was working really well. Uh, I know Ravon and I went to that um, a, a good amount. Um, just tried to tried to kind of work on that. Um set the tone with the fastball then was able to work work the curveball off of that and then uh, the cutter along with it and then um, mix in some change-ups in there, give them something they haven't seen. Uh, obviously, five one-hit innings, that was a pretty effective strategy. How much does a start like that do for you in in the confidence that you have for this is what I am? Like this is I know what the high level is. And what it is, I know you had thrown a two-hit shutout earlier in the season. Like, what, what, what does that those type of efforts do for you in building your confidence as you move forward? I think overall it shows kind of what you can do, uh, especially against a, a pretty good hitting Richmond team. Um, it, it just kind of shows the work that you put in that week, and um, you know that you can have outings like that, and you know you can be that kind of pitcher and. Uh, it, it's just being able to now take that and move it into the next start, to the start after that, and start after that, and uh, try and be that guy on a consistent basis. He is Cade Povich. He is with us here on GCR. The Bay Sox are home this weekend against Erie. Tonight, happy hour and HBCU night. Tomorrow night, glow in the park with the postgame light show, plus kids run the bases fireworks on saturday and so much more going on this weekend get to baysocks.com in order to find out more and get your tickets um kate i wonder you know there's a little bit of we all know how many prospects and there are in this system the excitement of this system right now from a position player standpoint but the perception from the outside is the orioles don't have as many high level pitching prospects have you felt, I don't know, maybe an additional amount of pressure as you arrived in this system, knowing 
what exists at the major league level and that there's a bit more of an eyeball on a guy like you that, hey, you know, we need to find those guys that can meet all of these awesome bats that we have as we try to build what looks to be a potential World Series caliber team here in Baltimore in the coming years. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something pretty big. Uh, obviously, like you said, um, prospects we have in the field and the guys that uh, have, have moved their way up and, and are starting to be, be in that major league team, um, it's pretty special. And, you know, like you said, we don't necessarily show on the prospect list a ton of pitchers, but um, I think if you look at our staff alone, you know, we, we do have guys that can throw for sure. Um top to bottom um so so it's really cool to you know try and compete with everyone and, and try and um like i like i said continue putting the day putting days together um try and work my way up and um be with, be with those guys that are in the field because i mean you get the guys that we have like that it's even here it's you know you throw the ball over the plate all put balls put in play you, you feel pretty confident someone's going to yeah. Be there to make a play. Right? Yeah, that's been huge. Obviously, having that type of defense behind you, there's no doubt about it. Can you just take me through? You know, like again, you go through the shock of being dealt a year ago as a young person in this game. But like, did you get a feel for all of the excitement that's here? Did you maybe get caught up in some of that excitement as you arrived and understanding like what is coming? at this point in Baltimore and what it means to you now to be a part of that system at this point? Yeah, I wouldn't say I knew necessarily too much um, from the start. You know, I, I, obviously after I got the call, um, I was doing some research trying to trying to see what's up. And, um, you know, number one board um, with minor league system, um, all these top prospects, top 100 guys, um, and, and, you know, you just kind of, the more you get into it, the more you start to see like, dang, there's, there's a ton of talent here. And, uh, it, it, it brings you kind of to a moment where, you know, the trade gets sucked, kind of sucks, especially in first year, you know, you always think, you know, something like that's never going to happen. And when it does, uh, it, it, it stinks a little bit, but that seeing where I was going, it was, pretty special and it, it made me pretty happy no it's a pretty exciting time obviously to be around this system right now and knowing what's coming all right Kay, let's get to know you a little bit here uh first important question because today is may the 4th i know there's a lot of guys in this system in the last couple of years that are huge star wars guys we have seen everybody putting together are you a star wars guy at all does today matter to you in any way i am a star wars guy okay yeah. okay I've are you like are you into putting together the models and stuff like that because I know that's been that has been a strange like phenomenon within the Orioles system the last couple of years see I don't do that um I mean I'll usually just watch the movies Which, uh, through there's nothing wrong with that like that's a, a very normal way of doing things <laughs> <laughs> like it seems a bit aggressive to me I will tell you that we took our kids to Disney in January and they did the uh, they made their lightsabers down there. And I still they like they're they're literally like three hundred dollar toys 
and yet they still come up and try to hit me with them at all times. <laughs> and I regret the amount of money that I spent on said lightsabers because I could have just gotten them a piece of plastic and they would have been just as fine with that. So I kind of regret that decision. Um, where are you? There is a, a popular opinion that like the Star Wars movies have not held up, but like, do you still watch The Mandalorian? Are you still in on the shows at this point? Oh, yeah. I, personally, yeah, I do think the old ones were better, but um, the, the new ones that have come out, I thought, have been pretty good. And uh, I've watched The Mandalorian. Um, I watched the Obi-Wan Kenobi one, too. So I, I try and stay up with all the all the new ones as well like are you the type that like on wednesdays the show you get it the game's over you like race back like dude i gotta watch there's a there's a new episode of mandalorian i have to get back immediately i don't i don't care are you that type um you know in i think my junior year of college is when the mandalorian first came out i was like that then (laughs) Um, i mean now now with less time it's more so go home and try and get food right right yeah i get it i still my way home I don't, I, that's, that's all. What else are you into, Cade? What else can we get to know about you? What else, you know, outside of baseball, maybe you get an off day on a Monday. Do you, do you do anything other than just rest? Like what does life look like for Cade Povich? I like going out and kind of seeing different places, um, walking around. One thing I did in, in college, whenever we uh, were out of town is I'd go, go out and walk around the campus or, or whatever city, um, we were in, so I like exploring a little bit. Um, I like golfing. I only do it in the off season now, though. Okay, who's uh, the, who's the mark on the current Bay Sox roster? Like, who's the guy that if you go out and play golf with on a Monday, you know you're going to be able to make some money off of him? Um, that that I I couldn't tell you because uh, you know, I've tried golfing a couple times in the season um i got i tried two times last season and then once this year um and i won't do it again in season so <laughs> okay I, I i guess when you got to protect your arm it's a little bit different i do i, I guess i can understand that right <laughs> it's like well it might be more of a superstitious thing really uh, the two the two times last year that i went on a monday and the one time this year i went on a monday the the following start didn't go so well so Okay. Oh no, dude. Oh, you can't mess with that. A hundred percent. I'm with you. You can never do it again. That can't happen. Are you superstitious in other ways, or like there are other things? Like if you have, so obviously the start against Richmond was really good. Is there anything that you did that day that you know now you have to replicate for this next start? Yeah, you know, since high school, I've always uh, during my starts, I've always eaten Skittles between innings. Okay. And I've usually just stuck to the the original red bag one um and this last start it was the wild berry purple bag so i think i've got to go back bro a hundred percent you have to go back back to the wild berry purple bag there's no way there's no until now what happens the first time you have a rough start with the wild berry purple bag do you go back to the original red bag or how does this work now moving forward as you handle the superstition it it depends on on how rough it is i'll be honest (laughs) all right like if if, if you it's get, not too if it's not too bad we can stay with we stick it, with yeah, Wildberry. I this is important. We need to. I need updates regularly. I need you to be willing to share out after games on social media which bag of Skittles you rocked with for that night because we're gonna start a tracker as you move forward. Uh, Cade Povich, 
at CPO, not C3PO, at CPO22 on Twitter and at Cade Povich on Instagram is how you give him a follow. And, of course, the Bay Sox are home this weekend, so make sure you get down there to check them out, BaySox.com, to find out more. Cade, I really enjoyed it, man. Thanks for hopping on with us this morning. May the 4th be with you, my friend. Uh, thanks for doing this and look forward to chatting again as you continue along in this journey. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Cade Povich uh, with us here, uh, one of the uh, the guys that was brought over in the Jorge Lopez deal a year ago and is off to a nice start with the Bay Sox this season. He was named Pitcher of the Week after his dominant performance, five innings of one hit ball last time out against Richmond. All right, uh, when we come back in, uh, Crew is here from Hartford Community College. They are hosting a national championship, and they're going to tell us all about that. And by the way, they might be winning a national championship because they have had such a good season. We still have a lot more to come today. Abby Myers is going to join us. The final fighting words of the semester as well, ahead of a big, pretty big fight weekend with the Cejudo, Canelo all in action this weekend. We'll uh, get to all of that as we continue along. It is... A Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's! Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Harford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Harford Sports Complex 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? 
All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Thursday edition of the program. So you've been hearing us talk about it. There's a huge event coming to Hartford Community College, and it might be even bigger because it might be an opportunity to win a title at home. Uh, Joining us now here in studio from the Hartford Community College lacrosse team, I'm going to begin with Dylan Hines. Dylan, it's good to see you, man. Thank you for coming in and hanging out with us. Thank you for having us. Um, Give me your path, because when I saw you were from California, I said, well, this is interesting. How did a kid from California end up at Hartford Community College? So you run me through it. Yeah, so um, I ended up getting injured uh, my junior summer leading my senior season. Um, and I had a new head coach that year. Uh, lucky enough, he um, knew Coach Verardi very well, so managed to get healthy for the last couple of games of my senior season. And you know, after he saw me play, he talked to me, said, "I know you uh, wanted to play. You don't have any, really have any looks, but he said this might be a good spot for you, Harvard Community College." So I didn't really know exactly what it was yet. Um, and then he gave Coach Free my contact information. Uh, got a call about a week later. He kind of gave me the rundown and. After that, came on a visit, um, toured the campus with them, and you know didn't really have a reason not to come at that point. Um, good, good opportunity to play at a high level. So the yeah, took it. History, right? Exactly. It's worked out pretty well for you yep. at that point. As you mentioned, Coach Aaron Verardi is in studio with us as well this morning. Coach, I I didn't know you were a national recruit. I didn't know that's what was going on at Harford Community College, man. That is wild. It is. It is. Uh, well, as you may or may not know, the lacrosse world is very small. And yeah. uh, Dylan's coach was uh, one of my roommates in college at one point at UMBC. Look at so that. Look at that. It's That's funny how that works. It's it's yeah. so funny. We, we yeah, As you know, we use the phrase Smaltimore a lot. But Ooh. that is really stretching the concept of Smaltimore. No doubt. That you end up pulling a kid in from California. <laughs> um, coach, obviously you guys are having a great season. Um, take me through how this works now. Ahead of the possibility of hosting the national well, – you were going to be hosting the national championship, but you could be trying to win the national championship at home. Take me through where you are, what you've accomplished already, and what's next ahead of the NJCAA championships. Sure. So we uh, currently are the number one seed in the tournament. Uh, Nassau Community College uh, from Long Island is the number two seed. Uh, we both have – a first round by um, in a six team tournament so uh, basically we're going to play uh, the lowest remaining seed uh, two weekends from now and then Nassau will play uh, the higher of the two seeds uh, remaining but we have had a phenomenal year we're undefeated uh, 10-0 currently uh, just got off winning our fourth straight uh, region title uh, here in Maryland and um you know, it's just been a, a great run. And, you know, really these guys have just been awesome all year long. Um, you know, this isn't something that just happens in the spring. It goes all the way back to the fall. And, um, you know, even a lot of these guys, the summer, you know, from when the season ends till, till the start of the new year. So, um, you know, they've just done a great job and really handled their business well. And just, they're continuing to, uh, compete. It's so. awesome. Dylan, how much did that drive you guys this year? Knowing there was the opportunity perhaps to, like, no matter who was going to be playing, the national championship was going to be happening at Hartford, but how much did that drive you guys, the opportunity to maybe win a national championship at home? Uh, I mean, it's huge. Um, you know, we've competed for the national championship before, and mm-hmm. um, you always have that drive to win that game, but uh, you know, knowing that it's going to be at our field for the first time ever, um, that's big time for us. I mean, that's that's where we practice every day. That's our home. Yep. Um, you know, we have a saying when we play games there defend the nest uh 
you know, and we have a pretty supportive community, um, family members, people that just come from around the area to watch. So um, also knowing that we're going to have a lot of support there is awesome. And I think, uh, you know, winning our program's first national title on our field would just be it would just make it that much more special. I mean it would so. be kind of a crazy yeah. that would be, It'd an be amazing yeah. amazing accomplishment. Yep. Let's make sure we remind everybody it's next Friday and Sunday at Harper Community College and tickets are just 10 bucks and you can go ahead and get them right now by going to harfordathletics.com. Glenn I uh, just want to correct you real quick. Oh. Saturday. Saturday. And, yeah, Saturday. I apologize. Saturday, yeah. my fault. 1, 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. on Saturday. 1 p.m. and, and 4 p.m. 1 p.m. on Sunday. Got it. Thank you. I had the wrong <laughs> dates given to me. That's all right. That's why you're here, coach, is to make Happy sure to that's the role of the coach when somebody's screwing up. You grab <laughs> yeah. it and you say, do better. Do better. I Accountability. appreciate that. Um, what you know? Can you define? You know, you, you talk about the work these teams put in, but what is it that has gotten this team into this position, Coach? And what will be the difference? Like knowing this is a big deal, trying to win a national championship. What's going to be the difference between being a good team and winning a national title? So we we've had a lot of experience being a good team, um, and and you know we've we've fallen short the last couple of years, and you know I'm a big believer that you know failure is the prereq to success and. Um, I think we've learned a lot from each year that we've gotten to the Final Four and um, you know not finished the way that we wanted to. And I think that our mindset this year has just kind of shifted. I think we're just looking ultimately to find our best performance um, and just work hard every day and compete every day. Um, you know whether it's in the weight room, on the practice field, in the classroom, just becoming the best version of ourselves um, and ultimately just building that confidence to know, that you know, if we bring our very best to the table, we can beat anybody. Dylan, what what about you? What do you think has been the difference this year, and what is it going to take for you guys to be able to pull this off next weekend? Yeah, um, I mean, like you said, our mindset has shifted a little bit. Um, I think something we've definitely focused on this year is less just about winning that final game, and it's more about um, trying to be the best version of ourselves and the best team we can be every single day. Um, and I think we take care of that stuff. Um, you know, the rest will. Uh, you know, it, it will. The trips will fall where they're supposed to. Um, and you know, I think something we've also said is like we'll take this fan, we'll take this group over anybody. I think when we play our best, um, you know, it's it's going to be fun to watch. So, I think as long as we just uh, keep focusing on ourselves, keep getting better every day for this next week and a half, um, I think we'll go well. Yeah, coach, this is an interesting thing, right? Because we were going to be talking up this event. Like it's almost it almost adds like a pressure now to this event. Like this was going to be. A great showcase for Harford, an amazing event to bring a lot of people in and show it's all about your program. But now it's like, okay, we kind of have to go win this thing, right? Like, so, if we're gonna host, we might as well go ahead and win the title. Yeah, and we're we're we look at it more. Uh, you know, it's it's a challenge, and it's more of something that's exciting. You know, we don't like to think about it as you know, what if we fail, but more so just you know, let's go out and do it for all the people that believe in us. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of people there that are alum, um, you know, going all the way back to the program's inception and, uh, you know, 1991, uh, all the way through, you know, the recent years. And I think just a lot of people are proud of the program where, yep. where it is today. And, uh, for us, it's, it's really about, um, ultimately doing this for each other, but you know, it's, it's a pride thing. And, you know, we're not looking at it like they're putting pressure on us, but more so like what a great opportunity, what a great challenge. 
uh, where else would you rather be, you know, to get this done for the first time? A pressure is a privilege sort Absolutely. of, you know, type of situation. Yep. Um, Coach, I mean, let me go back a ways with you. Obviously, you played at UMBC, right? Like, you, you, have, you have been in this game for some time. Mm-hmm. The decision to take the job at Hartford, right, to go that path, just take me through that, why that was the right spot for you, and how you've been able to build such a consistent program at Hartford Community College. Yeah, so um, I – you know, I, I think it's um, pretty abnormal for a coach at this level to have not maybe been at the junior college level themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not. So I was, you know, I went to Boys Latin, uh, then to UMBC. Um, you know, didn't really know much about junior college other than, uh, you know, I knew about Onondaga uh, just through, you know, the news clips sure. and all, all the special things that they did. Um, I knew about Essex just because I was from Baltimore and that was the the other option. Um, so, you know, when I got to Hartford, it, it was something that was like I, I wanted to get into coaching. I didn't know in what way. I uh, wasn't really too sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew it was a good in. Um, and Hugh Donovan, who was the head coach at the time, who's since moved on a couple places, he's now actually an assistant coach at uh, UPenn. Um, you know, he really was a, a great mentor to me. Um, and when he decided that, you know, it was best for him and his family to move on, um, and take a D three job, you know, he basically said like, Hey, you know, do you want to take this? And I was like, you know, uh, sure. I mean, it, just, <laughs> it was like, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it was a really a great learning experience that first year. It was definitely some, some painful, uh, you know, learning experiences too, but, Um, I think what I realized after a little while was, you know, this wasn't just about um, coaching or lacrosse, but more so, you know, what this level and what uh, this path can do for somebody's life. I've just seen it in so many different ways. And to me, it's it's bigger than just coach them on the lacrosse field, but more so just kind of like help them, you know, mature as young men, get through life, Um, you know, and in doing that, obviously, you know, I hold myself to a pretty high standard. We wanted to win. We wanted to be successful. Um, I knew that in order to do that, we were going to have to maybe go outside of more the regular route of just relying on Harford County and, Mm -hmm. you know, the local guys, we had to, we had to find a way to get out there, um, and maybe find some guys who wanted to invest in themselves and in this. Um, so by coming here from out of state, you know, that's kind of how we looked at it was if, if you're coming here from far away, then this must mean something to you. You must be serious about this. Um, and I think in doing that, it really formed our culture into what it is now where you have a lot of guys that just care a lot. Um, and it's not just about them. It's about each other. Um, and I think that's really built it into kind of what it is today and you know where we stand currently. It's awesome. Uh, it, Dylan Hines, we're Aaron Verardi, Dylan Hines, Hartford Community College, lacrosse in studio with us. Dylan, you know, to you, can you speak to – you know, you obviously made this choice to come across the country to play for this program. Do you sense that Harford is becoming more of like a brand at this level and that there are other guys that are saying, hey, if this is the path, if we're going to play, you know, Juco, this is the place where we want to be, even if that means we're coming from Florida, New Jersey, New York, somewhere like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like I said, before I came here, uh, you know, it was right when Harford was starting to have some real success. Um, I didn't really know much about it, but since I've been here, especially last year, uh, there'd be times I'd go home back to California, work tournaments, and I'd have coaches, people coming up to me recognizing Harford lacrosse. And mm. that's pretty cool. And that just shows that, you know, what Coach V, the rest of the staff, what the teams previously have done here is, 
starting to get some notoriety, and I think um, people are starting to see that we're, we're a high-level program. Um, we compete, and, uh, you know, aside from that, um, this school and our coaches have sent some guys to some some pretty high-level programs out of that. So, yeah, I think it's uh, I think we're getting out there a little more, um, and I think just the consistent success and the culture that's been built here is is really helping that happen. Obviously, one more thing that can raise that profile a little bit. You know, just winning an action title exactly. would go a long way to that. <laughs> yep. It would help. Yeah, yep. right? Yep. No question about it. Um, so I told you guys this beforehand, but I, I have to ask for a little help. So uh, it happens to be that someone who's now family for me is uh, one of your teammates, and that's uh, Lucas Tease. I'd ask what his nickname is, but I don't think we want to know that because his name kind of runs into a pretty obvious choice for <laughs> what you guys probably say. Uh, but how can I – tell me something that I can bust on him about because, you know, he, he thinks he's the man every time he shows up, right? Like we have him over for holidays, things like that. He thinks he's the man. That's the way that it goes. So how can I bring him down a peg or two? Give me something, maybe something, something stupid that he did once, mm. a joke that I could make about him. Besides the obvious that I could use with Lucas, mm. got anything good? Um, I kind of want to go right to the shoes, but that, that's. Kinda, <laughs> I actually think that's pretty cool. It though. is cool. Like, we just like to, you know, it's like a little easy. Uh, yeah, like, right. Hey, nice, nice cartoons on your <laughs> shoes. Um, honestly, I mean, he he he's a great kid. Uh, yeah, I like him a lot. You know, he he has just been a great teammate. Um, he's actually you know already committed. He's going to Albright next year. Um. So yeah, I mean, gosh, I don't know. He didn't man. tell me that, by the way. That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's a really big yeah, deal. Well, there you go. You can make fun of him for not telling. Yeah, you what a he's jerk. Going to college yeah. next year. I'm going to end up calling some of his games out at Stevenson. Really? Which is yeah. going to be awkward. Oh, that's for right. Me. That's right. Like, yeah. That's actually going to be uncomfortable for me in those yeah. moments. You should maybe just wait it out until. Uh, yeah, they pretend like ask. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you just call them out of, of nowhere in the yeah, middle right. of the broadcast. Yeah. Right. Anything else, Dylan, that I can use? Um, if anything, I'd say just go give him a nice pat on the head. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's a good teammate. Likes to give the pats on the heads a lot. So. Oh, that's yeah, great. yeah, that's great. Then. Uh, next weekend, national championships at Hartford Community College, Saturday and Sunday. Yes, sir. I knew that all along. I was just testing you, Aaron. That was really what that was all oh, yeah. about. I haven't forgotten. Yeah, right. Athletics.com is the website. It's going to be an amazing week. I think that part is, is really important, too, is that the atmosphere that you're going to feel is going to be real. There is going to be a real celebration of this beyond the fact that you guys are trying to win a national championship. It's no a doubt. big deal. But the event as a whole is a genuine celebration of the sport that people should be coming to check out no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And our athletic director, Ed Leash, um, you know, when he bid on us getting to host this, um, there was more to it than just like, hey, let's have these lacrosse games here. Um, it's really sort of to... Um, just highlight all the great things about this level, our college, the community. Um, it really is. It's like a celebration, and, and I think they're doing a great job of making it as great of an experience as they can. I, I would say, you know, we've gone to these in other areas in the past, and, you know, we've kind of walked away from it. They've, they've done a good job in terms of creating a championship atmosphere and the tradition of things, but I think we're we're really going above and beyond in terms of, bringing highlight to you know our community and our program and our school and uh, ultimately just trying to get as many people out to this as we can tell me about hashtag best chance you before we let you go best chance you was uh so there was the last chance you yep. um so 
we kind of came up with, uh, hey, this is you know your best chance. It's not your last chance, but it's your best chance. So if you want to go, you know, play college lacrosse, and that's a goal of yours, um, and maybe you're not in love with your options currently, or maybe you feel like you know you need an opportunity to uh, to show yourself, maybe save a little money, any of those things. Um, this is your best chance. So, you know, come D- to Harvard. Dylan, I'm guessing that's been your experience. This has been the, exactly how you feel. Best chance you. Absolutely. Yep. That's we awesome. A lot of opportunities here. Yeah. That's awesome. Guys, congratulations, first of all, on what's already been an awesome season. Best of luck next weekend. No pressure. Appreciate it. No yeah. pressure. Yep. Oh, we love it, man. Just going to go have some fun hanging out next weekend. HartfordAthletics.com to get your tickets for next weekend. Appreciate you guys coming in and hanging out with us this morning. Look forward to seeing you guys go win a national championship. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Yep, we appreciate it. It's Aaron Verardi and Dylan Hines from Hartford Community College Lacrosse. Griffin, why don't we do things a little out of order here? Why don't we talk to Abby Myers right now? We had to record that a little bit earlier on. Maryland women's basketball star, first-round pick of the Dallas Wings, getting ready for the start of the season. Why don't we chat with her right now here on GCR? Well, it's a pleasure to be joined now here on GCR by someone who had an outstanding season at Maryland after she transferred in from Princeton. And because of that, she heard her name called in the first round of the WNBA draft, and she's getting ready for the start of the season with the Dallas Wings. She is Abby Myers, and she's with us here on the program. Abby, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. It's great to catch up. Thank you for taking the time for us. Yeah, Glenn, thank you for having me. appreciate it. Absolutely. I can only imagine what a whirlwind it's been, right? Like and unlike in other sports, one season ends, you don't even get like two seconds to, to think and, and sort of um, comprehend everything before you got to get ready for uh, the start of the pro career. Abby, um, just take me back. You decided to, to come from Princeton to the University of Maryland. At that mm-hmm. point, did you believe in your heart of hearts that this team could come together as quickly as it did with so many different faces all working out in order to make a run to the Elite Eight? Yeah, you know, it was a, we, we knew we knew that we wanted to leave a legacy, each and every one of us on the team at the beginning of the year. And it was going to take a it's full team effort and full buy-in from really everyone. And we had, yeah, nine new transfers. So it was, um, you know, it was just a, a, a plan that we had from day one to, you know, prove people wrong, to break any any low expectation that anyone had of us and to you know make it as far as we can because we we knew the talent that we had on the on the court um and we just had to have that buy-in and the coaching staff they worked so hard um they really you know created that that opportunity for us and uh, us players we just took it what did it mean to you someone who's from here someone who i'm sure like grew up watching maryland what did it mean uniquely to you to do this in a maryland uniform this season yeah, you know, it's it's so special to play for your home state. Um, and, you know, if you asked me five years ago if I'd be playing playing on that Maryland jersey with my name on the back, I always thought you were crazy. But um, it was just – it was so much fun to, you know, be home and have my family come. And, you know, I'm from Bethesda, and so many people from the community showed up and, and supported and watched me play. So um, just really appreciative of that opportunity that Coach Freed gave me. She is Abby Myers. She's getting ready for the start of the season with the Dallas Wings. She's with us here on GCR. Abby, moving forward, right? Like, was there a moment where you realized, "Hey, I, I can, I'm going to be able to do this at the highest level." Like, go back as far as you can. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment yeah. in your life that it like struck you, like, "This isn't just like fun. This is how I'm going to be able to make a living moving forward." <laughs> I know it's a crazy thing, right? To be able to play a game as um, you know, as your job. But for me, I think um, it really came. You know, I, I was able to picture it. I would say. Um, you know, first year at, at Princeton, Coach Banghart, she was really one with her words and just super, extremely motivating. 
Um, and, you know, she gave me that long-term goal. She gave me that image, that picture. And, um, you know, I really appreciate her for that. She pushed me every day to be better. And, you know, I can't say it was an easy, easy journey to get here, um, you know, but it was it was definitely worth it, and I learned a lot throughout can, the way. Can you describe what the moment is like when you get the call? Like, obviously, you knew it was going to happen, right? Like, going into the draft, everybody was talking about it. It wasn't like there was any thought that you weren't going to hear your name called. But even yeah. with that being said, can you describe what that moment is like and realizing, like, oh, my God, it's real? Yeah, I mean, I had no idea I was going to ever go first round. That was a huge shock to me. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, when uh, – when I, I knew I was going to get drafted. I just didn't know what number. Um, and I, I said I would have taken anything for 25. Um, so to get an 11 is just a dream come true. And my whole family were all screaming just out of pure shock. <laughs> and, uh, you know, again, a great opportunity. And I'm just so excited to, you know, we're a couple of days into training camp. And I'm just excited for the opportunity to play basketball at the highest level with amazing talent around me. And that, that part of it, right, that it was 11, that it was in the first round, that, that this franchise had so much faith in you. How much has that done for you as you now make this very quick jump to getting ready for the start of your pro career to know that they believed in you that way? Yeah, you know, they, they saw something in me. Um, and, you know, I've been just showing up every day trying to prove prove to them, you know, why they take me at 11. Um, you know, and, and it's it's amazing. The, the veterans here, they're just incredible. Uh, you know, we got Arike, we got Diamond, and right. Tasha Howard. Like, just, it's just incredible to play alongside them. I looked up to them my whole life, and uh, they're just, you know, special talent, special leaders. And uh, I'm just going to take in this training camp time and learn the most from it and be a sponge. Arike is the one that, like, that's, it's, it's, she's like a superstar. She's like on a different planet, right? <laughs> like, it's like, I mean, do you walk in for, I don't know, like, obviously you were around Diamond last season, but, like, do you walk mm-hmm. in for a second and find yourself, like, almost a little starstruck for just a second? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the first time I saw her when I was here, we were lifting together and she wanted to do a core workout with me, four minute finisher. And I was like, Hey, if you tell me to do a hundred miles, I'll do a hundred miles. If you tell me to do a four minute core finisher, I'll do a four minute core finisher with you. And it's just, you know, the, it's, they're amazing. Um, and you know, I'm just trying to learn as much from them as I can while I'm here. Abby, what were you most proud of in how your game grew during your season that you spent at Maryland? Uh, I think it's my versatility. I think that's what I'm most proud of. Um, you know, I worked on everything and, I'm um, trying to, you know, perfect everything as best I can. But, of course, you know, that stuff <laughs> can't really ever perfect the game, but you can try. What is it that you feel like you most bring to the table now as you make that jump? Like, what is the thing that you think is going to allow you to do this for the next 10 to 15 years? I think the big thing is, um, you know, when you're young, you got to be smart. you got to take care of your body. Uh, you gotta, you got to take recovery seriously. And I think for me, I'm just going to come in every day. I'm going to learn. Um, I'm going to take care of my body. I'm going to make sure it gets the rest it deserves. And, uh you know, I'll just keep playing playing uh, basketball and doing what what has worked. Have you thought about what the moment's going to be like playing, like putting the jersey on, playing in front of a massive crowd? I know you played in front of a lot of, like, let's be fair, you played in front of some really huge crowds a year ago, obviously. But, like, have you thought about that moment and what it's going to mean to you the first time you're playing in a pro game? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we got an exhibition game on Friday, so that's the first pro game. And, you know, I'm just going to be – I'm just going to take it in. I'm going to, you know, stay focused. I'm not going to make the moment too big, right? I'm going to just play basketball like I've always had. It's just a different jersey and, you know, with amazing players that I'm going to, you know, um, use around me. But, yeah, and just day by day, right? Training camp is, is three weeks. It's long. And at the end of the day, I got to make this – I got to, you know, do everything I can to um, try and make this team. So, uh, yeah, day by day, I say. Have you, have you allowed yourself to, like, take it in at all? Like, have you allowed yourself a moment to just sit back and reflect and be like, wow? Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay. 
And, yeah, no, I have. I've made sure of that for sure. And and what is it that you feel in those moments? Like about the path that got you here, about the people that like what is it that you feel when you do allow yourself that moment to reflect? Just appreciation, you know. I think um I never thought I would get here. And to to be playing with girls who've known that they were gonna go to the WNBA ever since they were a young kid. Um, you know, it's just everyone has so many different stories and to tell and you know, my story's different, it's unique and I'm gonna just appreciate that for what it is, and I'm going to just continue to write it as, as you know, as long as I can for uh, however long my basketball career is. And just another minute here with Abby Myers as she gets ready for the start of the season with the Dallas Wings. Abby, it was only a year, but how important was the Maryland experience to you, and how important maybe is it to you now? You see all of the players that have had so much success in this league to sort of carry mm-hmm. on that legacy of what Maryland basketball means moving forward as a pro. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I think, um, <laughs> moving forward as a pro, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take it in. I think for me, you can never, um, you can never appreciate a great moment enough, I think. Um, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna journal about it. I'm gonna write about it because 30 plus years from now, I'm gonna want to remember this moment. I think uh, a basketball career, you never know how long it's going to be, um, for anyone, right? There's so many ups and downs that come within a season. Um, and so I'm just going to try and, and, and reflect, make the most of it, um, and bring my family, you know, my friends for the ride because they're all constantly asking questions. How's training camp? How's this? Cool. How's the weekend? How's that? Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's just a special, special opportunity. Not many people from, you know, where I grew up, um, you know, can say they play in the WNBA. Uh, she is Abby Myers. Again, she's getting ready for the start of the season with the Dallas Wings. Abby, I know it's Abby Myers 10 underscore on Instagram, right? Is that the best thing we can uh-huh. tell people to give you a follow? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> th- this season was so much fun. Like the, I know there were a couple games maybe that were closer than you guys wanted them to be, but there were some thrilling finishes that we enjoyed a great deal uh, um, uh-huh. during the course of the year. It was so much fun to watch this team this year. Uh, we'll be rooting for you as you make this jump now to the pros. Thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with us this morning, Abby. No, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you to Abby Myers for taking the time for us this morning as she gets ready for the start of the season with the Dallas Wings, their first-round pick after a very nice season at the University of Maryland. All right, uh, catching up on a couple of things here. One, um, look, I am not – I'm trying – I understand all of the various complicated feelings. This from Josh. For me, it was not necessarily about Dickinson, the player specifically, but what it could have represented that Maryland got a recruiting win over the Blue Bloods and had the NIL organization and resources do, to do so. It could have represented a pivotal moment for the program. That's essentially what I said. I, I, I think what it represented was far more significant to me than the basketball standpoint with Hunter Dickinson. It was the chance to make a statement of this is what Maryland basketball is. But again, remember, we felt that way about Diamond Stone. That was the moment, right? You got a McDonald's All-American that had no obvious connection. You swooped him out from underneath the hometown school. You got the five-star, sure thing, one-year NBA player to come play at Maryland. And... What'd you have to show for it from a basketball standpoint? What'd you have to show for it from that was the recruiting battle that you won? Did it change Maryland's reality in recruiting moving forward? I get it. It's a gut punch. Because it's not just that you lost to a blue blood. It's that you lost a hometown guy. 
everything lined up for this to be the guy to choose to play at home, if you will. And you didn't get that guy. It's not a spin zone thing for me, though. I just don't think those things tangibly matter as much as you want them to. You couldn't change Maryland basketball's reality with one year of Hunter Dickinson. I get it. He was the player that I keep saying it. He was the player that was available. I get why you wanted him so much. I'm telling you, from basketball standpoint, this just, to me, wasn't the guy that I was living and dying with. And that's not news. You guys know that because I've been saying it for three weeks. In fact, I was told by someone they were frustrated that I was saying it because they wanted to... I, I'm not, not, this is a straight shoot. I had someone not directly involved with the program, but tangentially involved with the program that was frustrated at me about saying those things. They were like, dude, we need everybody to be on board. We need everybody to... Like, we're... we're we got to do this full court press thing. Like, pretending like Hunter Dickinson wouldn't change us. I'm like, bro, bro, settle down. Like, Hunter Dickinson gives a rat's ass what Glenn Clark <laughs> thinks about him in terms of making this decision. And if he maybe, does, maybe that is the reason. If, if, if he does, then there are big, bigger problems. And you definitely don't want that guy that's so influenced by one dopey internet talk show host. That's a bigger issue. Um, you know, I. This is not because Maryland lost, I feel a way about it. No, it's the exact opposite. I didn't feel a way about them getting Hunter Dickinson. It it meant more to me on, I, I don't know. I, 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 keep, I, I don't want to be the guy that's not feeling the moment, but I'm telling you, man, I felt this way for three weeks. First time I brought it up with Patrick Stevens, that was the conversation he and I were having. Remember. And he was kind of laughing about, aren't we talking, or haven't we been talking about how to build a team to win in the NCAA tournament? And is this the way to do it? He's like, hey, man, I, I get it. I understand. I, I don't know what, am I missing something? My buddy Bruce Raffle, who I like, <laughs> we work out at the same gym, in fact, said uh, Purdue came close. I'm like, what are you, came close to what? Does he mean like a year ago? Is that? But they didn't even really do that either. Yeah. And when did Purdue come close? When has Purdue ever come close? Uh, you can make a bigger argument. He also brought up Gonzaga. Like, they definitely withdrew Timmy. I know they didn't really come close this year. They had a decent run. But they have come closer with Drew Timmy than any of the big team, 10 teams have. Um, I, I'm not – look, if you're going to do the bit where you're going to be like, let me go find a seven-footer that's won a <laughs> – like Purdue made I mean, a Purdue made the Sweet Sixteen last year. That's for the Big not, Ten for the Big Ten. Yes, is, I mean I get it. <laughs> By Big impressive. Ten standards, there's an argument that you know that's about as well as you can do. <laughs> I'm not trying to say that no team has ever won a title with a seven foot player. So, somebody brought up, uh, but you know, I bet I bet if Victor Wembanyama Victor Wembanyama isn't a Big Ten seven footer, <laughs> that'd be like bringing up Kevin Durant. Right. Yes. He is not the guy that we're talking about. <laughs> like, that's a completely different player that you're discussing when you bring up Victor Wembenyamba. Yam, did I, why did I say Yamba? Yamba be there. That's what I'm talking about. Um, the, the, that's a totally different guy 
than these guys that we're talking about. Gonzaga, that's a fair argument. Timmy was on the team that reached the national championship in 2021. Yeah. Although, again, they got skull-dragged in the national championship game when they got there. And Timmy's kind of, I mean, he, he can shoot the three. He shoots, he's well, kind of a mid-range guy. can shoot the three, Yeah, he too. does, but you don't really, like, design your offense around Dickinson shooting. No, I think shooting. Timmy is a closer to a Big Ten big than he is mm. to a... And, like, well, he doesn't a, defend. Again, there's a reason why... I mean, I guess he... Yeah. But there's a reason why Drew Timmy was not a desirable NBA prospect either. Like, he's not a a complete... He can't run an offense. He can't... Victor Weminyama is going to run... He's going to be a point center. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, he's going to be Kevin Durant. Like, it's, that's yeah. who he, He's Kevin Durant. He's not Hunter Dickinson. This is a Big Ten big that we're talking about. A Luca Garza. A Zach Eady. Again, I'm, I'm not saying that I wouldn't want... It's it's funny because Wembenyama might not fare too well in the Big Ten if he were... Oh, I don't think he would. Yeah. I don't think it would be the league for him. <laughs> I mean, like, he'd still score. Yes, he'd score yeah. plenty of points. But, but yeah, yeah they would... Back down by Eady. Uh, essentially, yeah. They would almost have to switch him off. They'd almost... You'd almost have to have... Garza, Chris Murray. Another 6'8", yeah, 6'9", like. six, six, guy on the floor in order to try to defend the bigs and then have Wembenyama out on the wing defending like he would defend a Murray in that situation yeah. like I you know look man again I'm not trying to be that guy also it's official Lamar Jackson has signed the contract that he agreed to so Jeez. I mean I, that was man. I mean there was no actual risk there uh but it's official now we await and that is the other interesting part I don't I don't think any of the details will come up during the press conference we just await the structure of the contract and what it means for the Ravens cap the next couple of seasons if it's insanely front-loaded, right? Like, if it's nuts over the next two years, then that would probably, you know, give me more of an answer about the Patrick Queen decision, like why they would say, hey, even for one year, we can't do $12 bucks if we find out there's more front-loaded into the deal. But just getting those those details, it's, it's awkward because normally you have an agent who's willing to leak them kind of as soon as the deal is agreed to, but with no... I don't even know that we ever got the answer on the fully guaranteed... Yeah, we got the total guarantees. It's like five more than Hertz, I guess is what we're assuming. Wait, but, but we got the total guarantees right. number. We never got the fully guaranteed at signing number. So that part is relevant in this discussion and was a concession made at some point when it comes to that. Like that's that that part would be but I don't think we're gonna learn that during the press conference. Today. Can we see the exclusive interview now? <laughs> I don't. I think that thing. I, think, I, I want to interview. I, I want someone at the, the interview. That, uh, yeah, the people room that, to ask him that. The people that did the Malaysia uh, uh, Netflix documentary are going to do that in at some years. point in the future. In ten years, <laughs> yeah. what what happened to Lamar's exclusive interview with Lamar? One day we might see it. All right. When we come back in, we will get fighting words for the final time. We'll get a tidbit and we'll get tubular as we wind down for a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR, Thursday edition of the program. Stan the Fan Charles, Ross Grimsley tonight are going to catch up with a couple of members of the Orioles front office, Jennifer Grandal. TJ Brightman, and you can check that out, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. If you miss it, you'll find it tomorrow, youtube.com slash pressboxonline or pressboxonline.com slash video. Now, we have reached the end of the semester, and we have had uh, intern Charles Greer from Stevenson. We called him Prince Charles. That was the one that stuck. He's been with us all semester long. Um, doing, I would say, just an incredibly adequate job. Just really very. In fact, I think I got to give him his report card. I'm gonna say maybe we could do this live. Yeah, I, I emailed it to you I'm not too long ago. No, I, well, you emailed me the timesheet. I got the report card here. Let's see. Let's get started. Uh-oh. Let's see how I feel about. Are you it. nervous, Charles? Well, they only emailed it to you because I started it. Oh, at the okay. Beginning of the show. All right. Hang on a second here. Let's see. One, two. There we go. All right. Uh, supervisor, sure, sure, all that checks out, right? <laughs> Let's see, just make sure he didn't lie about anything. Uh, compared to other students in the workplace, to what extent does Charles Greer treat other people, including those of different backgrounds, beliefs, and gender, with fairness and respect? What well, doesn't, I, I, I got to say, if there's one thing I know about Charles, it does not matter what your gender is, your background is, he treats everyone like crap equally. <laughs> so, because of that, I think you get a seven, in fact. Because, it's all about the, because all about consistency the <laughs> is what matters. The, I'm not actually going to do the report card with Charles sitting oh right man, here. Oh, man, I want to keep going. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. 
Uh, Charles, it's been great having you here all semester long. We, uh, uh, you know, every time we have a, an intern, and I'm, I'm interviewing over the next two days, like four different. I think we. Uh, by the way, <laughs> Carson Weekly can't get enough of us. I think he's going to come back for the summer. All right. I think we're Carson. Love hanging out with Carson. I love. I yeah. love. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> he messaged me again. He's like, "Can I come back for the summer?" I'm like, "Dude." I don't. I, yes, but I really feel bad at that because <laughs> I like you. Just he just keeps giving and giving and giving and giving and trying to do more for us. Maybe he knows Tavius Robinson. Maybe he can help oh, us yeah, get in touch with Tavius. That would yeah. be great. Uh, but I'm going to be interviewing interns over the next couple of days, either for the summer or for the fall. And one of the things that I say is that you're going to be responsible for um, a segment of content every week. That's your thing. And I had suggested some different concepts to past interns, uh, Mike of the Mike or uh, Papa Cass, some of the past interns that we've had. I gave, hey, here are some of the ideas that I have for segments that you can do. Uh, Little Jordan had his own segment as well. And I gave those same suggestions to Charles, but I wanted ideas, and Charles said, I got an idea. I'm really into combat sports, and um, that's been great. It's been something a little bit different, something that we wouldn't do a ton of otherwise. I mean, obviously, we would have talked about Javante Davis. We would have talked about John Jones, but short of that, we probably wouldn't have talked much about, I, which is a shame because Griffin would I like know. us to do. Maybe, maybe I, can, Griffin can would, I keep doing fighting yeah, words? You want fighting words yeah. to be yours now moving <laughs> forward? We will consider that, all right? We'll consider you getting to have fighting words moving forward. Talk but, about these, you know, 16 fight cards that no one knows you, anyone. You know, you know what the funny part? You know what the, the, I don't think I've ever said this before, the, what this came from was... When I was in Phoenix, I had been approached my, by my program director there about adding a show, and she wanted me to do a combat sports show. And I was, at the time, super in. Like, this is 07, somewhere around then. And, like, we went up, and I remember sitting with Roger Huerta when he was on the cover of SI, and we were hanging out at a UFC pay-per-view up in Vegas. I was there for, God, it would have been Jackson... Liddell maybe really? I was there wow. for like that's, I had I was up there for Bernard Hopkins Winky Wright like I because I you know we are in Phoenix they would say hey come up here do the show from up here and the we the problem the funny thing being it never really got going like we went up there and we were testing and we were doing segments and we were doing my afternoon show from there but we never actually launched the show but we had decided on the name and we'd actually had imaging done and everything what was the name of the show Fighting Words oh, that was where it okay. came from but the show never actually. It, my buddy uh, Salty Trizzle, Tracy Henderson was part of it, and we were really excited about it. But it never actually occurred. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like the culmination, uh, seventeen years later or whatever it is, of a show that was supposed. Well, to Well start. done, Charles. So Bring final it. time, big weekend of fights ahead. What's going on? In the the uh, com- I guess I should give this a sponsor. Fighting Words is brought to you by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox, or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. This is the issue where we look into the pipeline. We just had Cade Povich on. He's actually featured in uh, the pipeline section of this print issue of PressBox, where we dive into, despite the fact that Gunner and Adley and Grayson are here, there's still a lot more coming for the Baltimore Orioles, including, you see, the illustration of Jackson Holiday on the cover. Go pick it up right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. And in concert with that, PressBox is giving you the chance to check out all of the area minor league baseball teams this summer and all the players that are featured in this issue of PressBox. Head over to PressBoxOnline.com contest now and sign up to win 
four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25, and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes ends June 14th. Again, pressboxonline.com slash contests. What's going on? Um, I'll just say to start, um, as you're doing all these interviews for the next intern, I'm having to kind of present what I've done here uh, in this semester. And I'll say my my experience set apart from all the other interns that I was working with uh, at Stevenson. You could tell from the people we're presenting to, like, it's that look of like, oh, that it's work. But it looks like fun work. Yeah, that's that's the way that everybody. Every time I talk about like having a busy week, right? Like, I, like in my life, I have insanely busy weeks. Like weeks where I'm not sleeping, weeks where I've got shows every day, then five, six games on the side. Then I got to be a dad at some point. And somebody will say to me like, "Wow, you know, that's crazy." I'll be like, "Right, but I'm not really working. <laughs> like, I, it's a lot, but it's not like I'm out digging ditches or something like that. I'm." I'm talking about sports on the internet, so you kind of have to remind nah, yourself. No, but like of that. I will say, I I'm very appreciative in these scenarios where I have to present, like, Glenn Clark Radio, Press yeah. Box Media. I appreciate going after the marketing firm or the, <laughs> the real estate. Like, well, I can't agency. promise you that you've set yourself up for. Uh, although I just saw that Micah got the editor in chief of the Villager. So Ed Stevenson. Yeah. I'm excited for him. He's mm-hmm. been uh, moving on to doing great things, and I know that the next thing that Cass did after her internship was a big deal too. So, I, I'm I'm going to need you guys to hire me. Is the point? <laughs> like, uh, at I'll some say, point, I'm going to need you guys to give me a job. From what I heard from Micah's uh, interview, it was he came in the most confident, the most um, sure of himself, and that came from right here. He's a, I'm so. not surprised by that. He's a, he's a good dude, and I I have no doubt that you have big things. Do you have plans moving forward? Like what's next? Um, as for this summer, uh, just trying to find something to, well. Housing wise, I've I'm about to sign a lease for an apartment for the next year. So okay. trying to find something to bridge uh the summer and fall and to to kind of correlate with that. Um So you're doing you're gonna do football in the fall. And I have six credits left. So and then you're done. So yeah. the fall is it for you mm-hmm. and then you're moving on after yeah. that. So, well I'm excited for But that I wanna credit. find something to uh job wise to go along and continue cool. past fall. Cool. Awesome. But, yeah. yeah. Very good. Well, we appreciate all of your hard work. Um, it is uh, it, you've done a lot of, of great stuff for us, and we've been happy to have you around. And we know that you're going to be doing amazing things moving forward. Thank you. I appreciate it. Let's get into fighting words. Uh, we'll get right into it. Um, as for this week, uh, we're gonna we're gonna curb on the the Tank Davis news. Uh, for Cinco de Mayo, we're gonna make it a Canelo week. Yep. Um, He's got a big fight coming up. Uh, you say that I have no idea com- who this dude is. I have no clue who this well, guy is. The big, the big. When I say big, um, it's his homecoming to Mexico, right. and um, it's setting a scene that hasn't he hasn't been able to uh, encounter or experience in eleven years now. The last time he fought in uh, Mexico was um, it was in the Plaza de Toros, and he beat uh, Kermit uh, Centrome. Uh, who's that's that a decent, that's a decent, no, that's a decent fighter. Okay. He's a decent fighter. And, and by the way, I, considering I have no idea who John Ryder is, like it well, might John Ryder, be, it's thirty-two and five. I mean, five losses. Yes, in boxing, this feels like the guy you're fighting, so you can fight on Cinco de Mayo weekend in Mexico. That's exactly. what this feels like. And yeah, they're making it a very big event in Mexico. Um, when I, <laughs> it's funny when I like 
did research for this week um like if you could tell the news publications and media outlets like are making the effort to not mention Ryder. it's like it's canelo and he's fighting a guy right like, that's all you need to know um but it's in guadalajara mexico it's a it's a akron uh Stadium, stadium is yeah, um, it's like a fifty thousand seat stadium. It's fifty thousand seat yeah. stadium. It's outdoors and it, it looks kind of cool. Like they, it's like built remember, in a hill. Like, I remember Ricky Hatton did this once in 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 England, where like it it just kind of didn't matter who the opponent was. The idea was, and by the way, that was sort of the concept of Gervonta fighting at the arena a couple years ago. Was the same thing, a completely nondescript opponent. Let's just have Gervonta Davis fight in Baltimore. Now I don't know if Gervonta, man, today there's a chance that Gervonta could. It's so funny. We keep talking about fighting at the new arena. Is there a possibility that a mega fight with Gervonta could fill the stadium now? I mean, That's a wild yeah, thought, right? Yeah. Um, well, but it would have to be a real fight. He couldn't just yes. fight a nondescript opponent at the stadium. That wouldn't work. He couldn't fight a no, you know, the same if Ricardo he, Nunez. If he fought a Philly guy. Uh, I mean, that, I don't think he would want to do that because he'd yeah, have a lot of fans. I like, don't want to say the yeah, guy. But <laughs> no, I don't think he would. But, like, if <laughs> I'm trying Philly to think, guy. if let, let's just say, right, for the fun of it, Let's just say that the Lomachenko fight came through. Could a Gervonta Davis-Lomachenko fight, or even Devin Haney, could Gervonta Davis-Devin Haney do the stadium? Yeah. I mean, it'd be amazing, right? Wouldn't that be dope? Oh, it'd be so dope. For sure. But uh, I don't know. And Shakur Stevenson's from Jersey, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's a good. That that's definitely a, an avenue. That as well. would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. Mm. I'm not gonna get my hopes up for anything like that, but it would be cool. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Um, but Canelo's last loss was uh, he tried to uh contend. Uh, he moved up and tried to contend for the light heavyweight title. Uh, he lost to Dimitri Bivol, and that goes kind of into my next topic. Um, his old promoter, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, believes that was like a large miscalculation and the career arc of uh canelo like it's it's gonna look be looked back on like what what happened there and um i mean bivol's a good boxer but i mean what de la hoya says um it was just didn't he also one of go back things, and finish the trilogy with triple g yeah he tri- finished it after yeah. um bivol and i think that was to kind of save face for kind of what had happened with the whole moving up to light heavyweight um to contend against bivol um, and yeah, like Bivol's a Russian national, elite boxing ability, but nobody really knows him. And the, the risk reward ratio just was not, um, it wasn't balanced. And that's kind of like what he went into. And like he would have wanted him to see him fight Jamal, uh, Jamel Charlo or David uh, Benavidez. Um, but maybe we'll see that in the future. I, I know that he got wrist surgery uh, before this fight with Ryder. So How he kind of wanted now? to tune up. Um, How, but is he 30? He's 37. How old is he? he Canelo he's 32. Is, he's only 32? Yeah. Jesus. Doesn't it feel like he's. Man, it he's is. only 32. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, um, right now it's looking like after this fight, um, there's not really. We don't really know what's next for Canelo. Look, I'll be the one to say, I think the biggest issue with Canelo was going to, to the zone. Like, I think that's the part that nobody wants to talk about is that HBO and Showtime are boxing in america and that's i want to say that's specifically about america right that's it's not just because i get the fights are on pay-per-view so it doesn't really matter but it's the hype it's the the shows that lead up to the fights that people watch on hbo and on showtime and it's the promotion that is put in by those 
brands around boxing. So getting away from Showtime, and it's now Showtime, it was HBO in the past, getting away from those networks, I think really hurt Canelo's star power in America. And DAZN, if you're a boxing fan, I'm sure is great, but never became like the go-to. They had Canelo, and that's kind of what they had. It never, the, I think the idea from DAZN was let's become the new hub of boxing. And it was a, a reasonable concept, but it never really flushed out. It felt like Canelo was swimming in waters where nobody else was swimming. Top rank stayed with ESPN, and ESPN still got big fights, and then Premier Boxing Champions split between Fox and Showtime, and Canelo was just kind of on this island doing DAZN. Um, yeah, so the event this weekend is fifty four ninety nine, and going to Which is also the hilarious part. DAZN's already a, ver- a, a lateral that you pay for, yeah. and then you have to pay more on top of and it. And what's funny about that Which I get that is, is not all that different than Showtime. So they, they offered a little like discount thing, um... They did one of those things where like you could you could pay less for um our DAZN pass right. and pay less for the Garcia tank fight if you get on DAZN and then apparently like they had a fiasco where people had to pay like five, six times for the fight. I and I saw a lot of people complaining yeah. about that. So DAZN like had technical issues like two weeks ago. Now they're having another big event. So we'll see. And De La Hoya kinda took the time to like took the opportunity to kind of smash on Eddie Hearn, who's who works with DAZN, and kind of took Canelo away from him. And, yeah, you know, so that uh, De La Hoya's comments are kind of personally uh, fueled. but Yeah, um, obviously. But, look, this yeah. is still a Cinco de Mayo weekend fight, which is traditionally, traditionally, Saturday night of Cinco de Mayo weekend is Kentucky Derby into a huge fight of some sort. And so this will do fine because it's Canelo Alvarez on – I know Cinco de Mayo technically is Friday, but it will do just fine. There will be plenty of buys for this thing, but yeah. it's basically just Canelo Alvarez's next fight is mm-hmm. kind of all it is. All right. Uh, big UFC fight as well this weekend. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I I put in my notes not even to recap last weekend because, <laughs> I mean, in the world of kind of combat outside of boxing, BKFC had a, a splash yes. event. Um, yeah, that was – Mike Perry beat Luke Rockhold, knocked his teeth, knocked his teeth out. Um, Eddie Alvarez beat uh, Chad Mendez, and then Conor McGregor, who coached uh, Eddie Alvarez, uh, he was a striking really? coach. Yeah, he was a striking. Um, he faced off with Mike Perry uh, to conclude <laughs> the event, and that kind of had a uh, Twitter he, sizzling a little. He's bit. not going to go to BKFC. No. Yeah, no, but um, it's one of those things where uh, I the, saw the, the image UFC. Of, I saw the image the UFC of could resign Mike Perry. Right. Right. Yeah. Because now he's now he's making them. He's bringing more eyes again. I mean, I don't know, man. I saw the image of it and I was like, "Isn't this a little beneath you?" Like, oh yeah. I mean, what are they paying him then to 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 show up like Connor? Yeah. I mean, he's holding a belt. Well, there's no there's no way that that. Well, they knew he was going to show up because he because he helped Eddie Alvarez. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. Was there any way that the ring suit was like was? There's no way that was real that like they just called him in and he was like oh hell i'll go in like so this had is, to have been pre- this is pre-planned. the drop on it um bkfc's founder he had to refinance his house to make this event happen and he needed a splash moment like this to kind of get the money going again. okay right. so he and that's why he invite hey you want a belt yeah go go out there with a belt right. over your shoulder right. like, start yeah. yelling yell at mike 
yeah. like Perry. Yeah. Yell at our famous, like yeah, yell at our yeah, most yeah, famous athlete. Um, as for this weekend, big big event in uh Newark, New Jersey. Yep. They don't go there very often. Yep. The Prudential mm-hmm. Center. Well, famously, when they couldn't get into New York City. But before New York City allowed for there to be uh, was, mixed yeah, martial arts, this is how they would go to Newark because that was what they would be saying: "We're going to New York." Like that would, they would, they would market, "Hey, we're bringing the UFC to New York." When they were going to Newark because they weren't allowed in the city. Yeah. But yeah, this is all pre-COVID, and since since then they've usually had that mainstay Madison Square Garden. Yep. But um, they got a hometown favorite, uh, Aljamain Sterling. He's from Long Island, actually. But you know, yes. proximity. Yeah, same concept. Yeah. Um. Right. I'm. I didn't even notice it till today. Like Henry Henry Cejudo on the, I guess the UFC synchro Cinco de Mayo card. Like mm-hmm. that seems to happen often. Um, and then the co-main event, uh, two guys stepping in on short notice. Uh, Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert Burns, probably two of the most respected guys throughout the whole roster. Like they just come to fight. Everybody knows they come to fight. Everybody avoids them, and they're the two guys that everybody avoids, and they're finally coming together. Um, and then other than that, uh. Cron Gracie's Cron, yeah. Cron Gracie's. <laughs> so hang on, let me let me go back a second. So Hudo hasn't fought in a while. Correct. He retired right. after beating Dominic Cruz on the very first card after oh, COVID. He yep. was yeah. champion when he yes. retired. Correct. Yes. So I I don't know what to expect from this fight because yeah. this is like when John Jones came out of retirement. I was like, I don't care. John Jones is winning. He's going to dominate. He was going to fade. That's by the way. I hope we'll, we'll get to that in a second because that was big news this week as well. Mm-hmm. Um. I have no idea. Like, what? What do? What do? We, what do you get, Henry Cejudo, out of retirement? Because he's still young. Tricky. Like, how old is he? He's still in his thirties. Yeah, um, he's early thirties. He's around thirty six. Thirty six. Yep. Okay. I mean, that's for bantamweight. I guess that's not young. Um, but but he it's not he also he, wasn't John Jones. He had lost fights like Henry right, Cejudo. Right. I know he had been on he's, a he was, he's a, he's a Olympic gold medal yes. wrestler. Yeah, and and they're trying to ho- play the whole thing where like he's a gold medal wrestler and. Al Jermaine did D3 wrestling. Like, he was a D3 wrestler. Like, how does that even compare? But the thing is, all these guys do the same thing with Al Jermaine Sterling. They, like, overinflate their expectations of him, and then they find out in the the cage, like, this dude is... He's a He's, human backpack. Right. Like, so exactly. what are what are the odds on this fight? It is almost a pick 'em. Uh, pick really? Yeah. Yeah. So who's one of five? Yeah. So who's minus one fifteen? Okay. So he's a slight, it's very slight a favorite. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of so it's it's wild. a good fight. I have no clue. All, I, all I the mean, fights on the on the main card are very close to pick. I think the At whole the card, in my opinion, yeah. I mean the odds of what the odds are, but in my opinion, I feel like the entire card could really be a coin flip. When I was a younger fight, man, I would have driven up for this. Before I was jaded and before I, you know, like all that stuff, this would have been a fight I would have driven up to. Um, I mean, I drove up to freaking East Rutherford to see Fedor once. Like, mm. I would have driven up to. to I just to this wish fight. this was one of those. I mean, it's about making money at the end, but like this. Feels like one of those they could have put on cable television. Like they're doing it later in the year with Jacksonville on ABC. Right. And yeah. That's what is that? that it's, next it's, week, two it's weeks? a hard sell to be like, hey, fork up your seventy-five dollars for Aljamain Sterling, Henry Soto, and you. And we can't guarantee that they won't grapple for five rounds. Yeah, right. Because didn't Cejudo for one of his titles? Wasn't that like? Wasn't didn't they fight on a non-pay-per-view? Yeah. Cejudo's yeah. Cejudo's fought a title fight on a non-pay-per-view. Yeah. Interesting. So, that's interesting. And I feel like well, with the relationship, relationship, it wasn't, the it wasn't a Fox card. Like, they were doing the Fox cards. They treated those very soon. Didn't they put mm. Lesnar on a Fox card Probably. Once? Yeah. I mean. Like, they took those Fox cards I think it was very, what? at least the first couple they took very seriously. I don't think they were quite as good. 
after the first couple because they were like, yeah, we need we we don't have as many marketable stars, so we have to protect for the um, the pay per views. But those first few Fox cards, they were treating like. You know, this is this, this is, is the, this we, is the fight. Yeah. We think we can get major, major rights money, and it's worth it for us. And we'll put pay-per-view caliber cards on Fox. And I just don't know because I felt like they, when they did the ABC card the last time, it wasn't that. It was like okay. Yeah. Well, was that the Long Island one with Long uh Island. with Ortega? Yeah. Well, that and was the, the, the main event. The dude got injured yeah, in yeah. the first round. Yeah. So, so. it's tricky with that. Um we could jump to John Jones' uh, interview this week. Um, yeah, that's the that's <laughs> uh, to me is is and we can and let's wrap with that. Um, he just said f all these guys. I, he's like, I, I made you guys I wait for three years. So I got my one. It was easier than I expected, and I'm out. Yeah, well, I, I don't know what to make of this because there's also the part of you that's like, yeah, this could just be him saying something. Right, exactly. Like this doesn't really mean anything. I the the question becomes again, presuming he beats Steve Miocic. Which I guess the word is November now. Yeah, man, isn't that fight's gonna happen? Which sounds like MSG. There, it sounds like John wants MSG. Yeah, which is always the November. He did say that. He did say that. It's looking like that's gonna be. So okay, so that fight happens. He left in the caveat of unless Francis resigns. So he left that caveat in. Not I don't. I don't see it happening either. But money can always change everything. Like not, you, with the, not with Dana. You you keep. He's I'm, I'm saying if Dana was willing to pay the money, or that's Dana, what I'm or Dana is no longer. He's not in, willing. In he's not willing. His pride, I think, is gone I, above I, the money. I understand. I yeah. understand what you're saying, but there's always somebody that yeah. says. Think Dana. about what Dana. money. Yes, uh, and correct. I'm not saying he's right for feeling this way. No, he's certainly I, not right for him. it. Just I understand that. But I'm saying that even that could change based on money that can be made, right? Like, even those things can end up changing. Mm-hmm. So he leaves the caveat of Francis in, like, if I can get Francis, then I won't retire. Like, the the concept of the Nganu Jones, like, you could they, you could put that on a Sunday in yeah, November, yeah. and people would choose that over football. Yeah, don't, let's not say, let's not just say reckless things. That's not, it, it, that, at that point, we're would. at week three. 11 in Stop. the season some people like, would oh, okay. you couldn't actually do no that. there's no that's, way with any other person it has to be those two not, men together. that's not something that's that's reckless but to the point of could you do a stadium mega show could you do jerry world you know something yeah. like yeah, that you're not talking msg like a hundred thousand people you're talking metlife in the summer when you're if you still have yeah i mean they can, still, on the yeah, they can still do this in july if they figured something out like that would be it, it oh, you don't think if Ngannou's on the roster right now, they would have been done Jones and Ngannou in Allegiant Stadium in Vegas on fight week? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. That, that would yeah, be that something. They could, they could definitely do something like that. Drop the ball. Um, but what it also it's... says is that he's leaving it open that there could be another fight in general. And right. that brings up Pavlovich, and that brings up... Well, I like what he said about Pavlovich. He's like, I, he's like what are, no one knows who he is. I don't benefit from beating him. I, I And you know what? He's not I, lying. Yeah, I, he's not I get, and also, that's sort of where he is, right? Like, yeah. I'm going to do mega money fights and that's what i'm gonna do or else i'm just not i'm good right like i i kind of understand it he did the fight yeah. where he came back like he did that one that one's gone yeah. now the miocic fight feels big because people know who steve miocic is so that's big enough but like short of that it does leave enough enough flexibility and leeway in there for him to be like eh all right fine i'll do another fight i'll do pavlovich i'll do something else but well even with it it's it's like at that point, he talked to like, but it well, also, what does he have to prove? He's only proven anything to really I, like 
the MMA like reporters right. and analysts at that point. It, all, it also feels a little bit like his way of saying like I have to get paid a certain amount of money. Like that that's the coded way for him because he doesn't want to say I'm only going to fight if I get paid a certain amount of money. So instead he says it's got to be a mega fight, which might be his way of saying you want me to fight Pavlovich, fine. It's going to cost X amount of dollars. And you don't feel like that fight's worth that amount of money. So then it's not going to happen. But that's the way it's going to go. Either I'm getting paid absurd money or I'm not fighting. Yeah. Charles, maybe, well, maybe Derek Lewis. Maybe Derek Lewis will sneak his way back into a title. That would be uh, fun, but and, uh, my God. <laughs> Lewis Jones. Stop. Stop. That'll reel him back in. It would be fun. Stop. I don't even think Sean Anna could get an ad read in the mm. fight before that would be over. He Charles, couldn't even get the Mano- Yeah, Modelo's Derek Lewis right. would knock him out pretty quick. Huh? Good work, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. That has been Fighting Words. We appreciate Charles. All right, let's fly through Tidbit and Tubular really quick. Tidbit is brought to you today by PressBoxOnline.com slash Offers Sports Betting. If you want to bet on the fight on or any of those fights on Saturday night, make sure you have signed up for the great incentives and offers that are available via PressBoxOnline.com slash Offers, including DraftKings giving you up to a $1,000 deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet, but you got to go to pressboxonline.com slash offers in order to take advantage of it. Uh, Erling Holland, he uh, has now scored 35 goals in the Premier League season. Sets the new single-season record. By the way, I'm just speaking of betting. Alabama has fired their baseball coach, Brad Bohannon. I don't know if you saw the story the other day about sportsbooks in Ohio started this and said you couldn't bet on Alabama baseball because of irregular activity. Ooh. And Jeez. just three days, like just, now? just three days later, Alabama has fired their baseball coach Brad Bohannon. Something's going on. Interesting. Something's Interesting. going on, and it could be massive. Was Why Alabama massive? good? Or, I mean, or Alabama typically is very be. good at baseball. Yeah. I'm just trying to find Ohio's tie in it. Like, did they have to travel up to Ohio for a game and? They were like some fishy went on. Mm, someone report because I know I, someone no, has some report. No, it's it's not that the just some major line movement. It, it would just or something, some suspicious bet that happened to be placed. You know, it doesn't have to do anything. It doesn't okay. have to be a person in Alabama. It could be somebody. I just we don't know any of the details right now, but it is a potentially massive story. Hmm. I mean, massive, potentially massive across the pond though. Erling Island, right. Premier League uh, record, right. thirty-five goals. Uh, and also doing in this. Debut of Griffin Premier said, League "You season. don't want NBA. I'm giving you <laughs> yeah. Premier not League." Not much happened. Well, I mean, the NBA game yesterday was yeah, the, the not, Joel Embiid not. won the MVP and decided yes. not to show up. Even uh, though he was I back. saw I saw a tweet about the Sixers record without Joel Embiid this year, and it was like, "Is he really <laughs> the most valuable player?" I was like, he's, "I got I think the stat was he's one in nine versus the Celtics. Well, yeah, in, in that's, the playoffs. that definitely yeah. is. But I I'm telling you, there was a fi- got to find the the Sixers without Embiid stat this season because it was kind of mm-hmm. eye opening. Uh, go ahead. Keep going with your thing. Okay. And then All right. I'll All work right. on it. Uh, Shohei Otani also became the fifth player uh, to ever have 500 right. hits. This is from Ibra underscore Goat. The Sixers are 13 and five without Embiid in the lineup this year. Two and zero in the playoffs without Embiid. Is he really the most valuable player? Question mark. I mean, probably should have been Jokic, I guess. Again, like as as much as everyone would hate that. Uh, but so uh, Otani became he had 13 strikeouts in five innings last night. Uh, he did allow four runs though, so I don't know. Is he is he really bum? Yeah, didn't didn't qualify. Well, he didn't get the Loser. win either. Um, <laughs> uh, but so he with 500 hits and 500 strikeouts. Uh, he joins Smokey Joe Wood, Red Ruffing. Oh, these are my favorite. Walter Johnson and Babe Ruth. <laughs> I do know the big train, Walter Johnson. Yes. yes. 
as uh, is the fifth player ever to have five. What about strikeouts. tungsten arm? No, uh, he did not qualify for this one. It doesn't. Look Who like. is the guy that we had a couple weeks ago that I like so bad? What was uh, that guy's name? Was that? Oh shoot! What was his name? Puddin Puddinhead. Puddinhead. <laughs> oh, Puddinhead. Bring those names back. No doubt, name. man. We well, they're kind of like we. Well, until DL we, Hall, like. until we find out they're super racist, like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, it also we're all laughing about Puddinghead, and somebody's like, "Do you understand that Puddinghead was a slur?" Oh, wasn't really? No, no oh, I don't. Oh, I don't think waiting. that. It's Someone's just I'm waiting say that. for that moment where I'm like enjoying something and finding it to be very silly, and then somebody's like, "And here's why Puddinghead is problematic." Puddinghead Jones. <laughs> Uh, so it took Otani 388 and two thirds innings as a starter to log his 500 career, uh, career 500th career strikeout, and that is the second fewest innings ever needing by ever needed by a starter to reach 500, behind only current starter for the Milwaukee Brewers, Corbin, Corbin Burns. Burns. How about that? Future Baltimore. Orioles, yeah, ho- hopefully. Um, so very impressive. Uh, Jack Rinky did not reach the 1,000 batters struck out. Ah, didn't strike out. He I only forgot. had three, yeah. and he struck out. The three that he had were all guys that he had struck out before. Mateo, Loser. O'Hearn, I forget who the other stinks. one was. Yeah. yeah, it's like he didn't even win. Um, CJ Stroud was the second overall pick in the draft, and uh, I, I mean, which hasn't really been a great sign recently. I want to see Ooh. if you guys can name the last 10 First round, second sorry, second well, overall picks. Zach Wilson was certainly one of them. He was one of them in 2021. He followed Trevor Lawrence. Got drafted with the, the trends are going down. Like the way you said it was uh, is, Josh Rosen a second pick. He was not the second. No, overall he was pick. number two. Like a, uh, but okay, this doesn't go as far back as RG three, correct? Yeah, that's that's exactly where my cutoff is. Because so Von, Von Miller was the year before that. He okay. was probably the best second round I mean, pick. for a minute or second overall was pick. really good too yeah in in the last since 2010 last. he's von miller's the best one all right so yeah 2012 is my cutoff so 2013 and on 2013 and on so 2012 would have been rg3's mm-hmm. first so so he does not count he does not count okay that was my arbitrary um, cutoff so well last year was hutchinson last year was aiden hutchinson with the lions i can only think of third overalls <laughs> uh, boy Boy. Just want to start going year no, by hang year. Hang on a second. 2020. Uh, yeah. 2020. First overall pandemic. pick was Joe Burrow. Chase Young. Chase Young Chase won second Young. overall. Obviously did not get to have, have his fifth-year option picked up by the Washington Football Club. I have a name now, Griffin. Um, I, I like football team better still. Okay. So I like calling him that. 2019. The football franchise. 2019. If you say the first, we'll probably – Right. Kyler yeah. was the first overall in 2019. See, I was gonna say it was the second. Oh, because uh, um, Bosa. Yes, Nick Bosa. So he's pretty, pretty solid, pretty yes. solid player there. Pretty good pick. Yeah. 2018. Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield was, was the first overall pick, and it wasn't Rosen. It was not Josh Rosen. Was it? It wasn't Darnold. It wasn't Darnold. He was the third. So was there was, it was a not a. It was, it was the it was a New York Giants. Yeah, it was the New York Giants. Oh, it was Saquon. Saquon went eh. second overall eh. in 2018 what? to the New York Giants. Yeah, it was Saquon. This one I always forget about. 2017. So Miles Garrett went first overall to the Browns. First overall to the Browns. Uh, 2017 was the Mahomes year. It was the Mahomes year. So 2017 would have been Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky was taken second overall by the Chicago Bears. That's. I can't remember what college he went to. UNC, oh, man. UNC, yeah. yeah. He went to Carolina. Um, 2016 was tw- – oh, 2016 would have been because it was two Jared quarterbacks, Goff's right, year, at right? the top. It was Goff yeah. and it was Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was second overall. Goff was first. 
Same scenario in 2015. He had two quarterbacks go. Who was the first pick before? <laughs> now this is hurting my brain. <laughs> 2015, two quarterbacks went at the top. I actually had one of them on the show recently. Jameis. Jameis Winston was first overall. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Wow, good pool. Yeah, Marcus Mariota went second to the Tennessee Titans in 2015. Good pool. This is now it's very tough. 2013 and 14 are very tough. Uh, 14. One of them's a lineman. They're both linemen. Okay. Both yeah. linemen. J- Matthews, something like that. No, not, not not Jake Long. Not Jake Long. Jake Long and Chris Long went Luke, one two. Luke, two, Luke, oh, he played for the Chiefs. Luke, Luke, uh, 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 Jokel. Jokel, yes. Jokel. He went after Eric Fisher was drafted by the Chiefs in 2013. Eric Fisher, yeah. and then Luke Jokel to the Jags in 2013. Second overall, and then first overall in 2014, Jadavion Clowney, and he was followed by mm. <laughs> this offensive tackle for the St. Louis Rams at the time. Oh. No, Whitworth didn't go that high. No. Uh, Greg Robinson. I have no yeah, recollection of Greg Robinson. Greg Robinson was the second overall no, pick. I have not a single member. Where did Greg Robinson go? Uh, he went to the second overall to the. Oh, where did he go to school? Yeah. Did he end up with the? I can't remember where he went to school. Did he end up with the uh, the Rams or the 15, Falcons or something? Four hundred pounds. Two weeks before the draft, everyone's uh, like, Greg Robinson. Get was. that guy. Greg Robinson went to Auburn. Oh, he's from Thibodeau, Louisiana, where oh. uh, where Nickel State is, and where our buddy Tavon Sadler is going to be coaching this season. But yeah, yeah. second overall pick, not so. Nadama can sue in twenty ten. Jason Smith followed uh, Matt Stafford. I don't. In who is Jason Smith? I don't know. I don't know. He, he who was the a, hell is Jason another Smith? offensive tackle taken by the Rams? <laughs> oh boy, in two thousand nine. I think they went so well for them with Orlando Pace. They were like, we got this. Calvin Johnson in an 07 to the line. Well, okay, I mean, that that's one, one of the greatest well. picks of all time. Yes. Reggie Bush, Ronnie Brown, Robert Gallery, and other tackles. Don't take tackles at second I overall, guess, apparently, yeah. is, the, is the lesson here. Charles yeah. Rogers was a receiver taken by I the line. I remember Lions. Charles Rogers at Michigan State was a stud. Julius Peppers to the Panthers yeah, in 2002. Pick, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Davis in 2001, another <laughs> offensive tackle to the Cardinals. So bad. So bad. LeVar Arrington. Oh, yeah, it was a good pick. Donovan McNabb. Yeah, it was also a good pick. Ryan Leaf followed Peyton Manning in That's 1998. Right. That's right. He's Darryl, a good show, though. Daryl Russell. I, he's a great media personality. Yeah. Daryl Russell, I have no record. It was a defensive tackle. Yeah, for the Raiders, he yeah. followed Orlando Pace. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Hardy. Tony Boselli yeah. was a tackle. Okay, that was a really good Probably pick. Probably the best Kevin, Kevin Hardy was an edge rusher. That was like uh, he Illinois, if I remember correctly. It was like he and Simeon Rice in the same year. And Simeon Rice worked out really well. And Kevin Hardy. <laughs> uh, Rick Meyer went second overall to the yeah, Seahawks. After, uh, yeah, that was Rick Meyer. He, he was in one of these like recently. Yeah, he, yeah. he came. He was, uh, the, he last was the last Seahawks quarterback. Last first round quarterback. Marshall Falk went second overall to the. Well, that Colts one worked out okay. Ninety four. Quentin uh, Coriat. Coriat. Quentin Coriat. Yeah. Coriat. He was a defensive back. Eric Turner. Blair Thomas. Tony. Eric, Tur- Eric Turner was a Raven for a minute. Mm, Tony Mandarich. Tony Mandarich is one of the great draft busts of all time. And like did nothing. Another offensive tackle. Nothing in at his second career. I, in fact, he was a he was when I got out to Phoenix. Tony Mandarich was like a painter. Didn't he get on the <laughs> cover of Illustrated? He, did. he was on SI. Yeah. The cover of SI. Neil Smith. Cornelius Bennett. Cornelius Bennett was a hell of a player. Tony, Neil Smith was a hell of a player too. Actually. Tony Casillas. Casillas. All right, we're, all right, all right. We're going too far back. Eric now. Dickerson running back in 1983. Well, that one worked out all right. Lawrence Taylor in 81. That also worked out okay. Lamb Jones was a receiver taken by the Jets. In Tony Mandridge really had a 10 year career? That's almost impossible. 
He was one of. He was a famous offensive line bust. And those are your number two overall picks. Going all right, back very to nice good. Very good. Tubular. I name all of them. No. <laughs> Tubular is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. Buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out Buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Matinee action for the Orioles. 2 o'clock, Grayson Rodriguez and Jordan Lyles as they try to win the series against the Royals. The rubber match is on Masson 2. Speaking of matinees, Big Ten lacrosse tournament on BTN from Homewood Field. Michigan and Penn State at 1. Maryland Hopkins, the rematch at 3.30. Then also tonight on Big Ten Network, the women's tournament, Maryland takes on Rutgers at 6. Towson's at Delaware for the second time in as many games. Well, they played here the last time, but they're facing each other for the second time in as many games. This one is at Delaware at 5.30 in the CA tournament on lacrosse TV. Mount St. Mary's opens the MAC tournament against Marist at 3 on ESPN 3. Only one NBA game tonight, Lakers-Warriors game 2, 9 o'clock on ESPN. Pretty much a must-win for Golden State, really. Yeah. I mean, to, to yeah. drop both games at home. Uh, TNT-Panthers-Maple Leafs game 2 at 7. Kraken-Stars game 2 at 9.30. Masson's got Cubs Nationals at 1, MLB Network Angels Cardinals at 1, Braves Marlins at 4, Blue Jays Red Sox at 7, ESPN Plus Twins White Sox at 2, USA Brighton and Hove Albion and Man U at 3, Round 1 of the Wells Fargo Championship at one, at 2 on Golf Channel and Access TV for Impact Wrestling at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, just a couple. Watch Ted Lasso I, last night, by the way. There is a scene that equally will make you roll your eyes and also cry at the exact same time. It's unbelievable. It's the Hey Jude scene. Oh yes, it's yes, just like yes, some. It's yeah. very ham-fisted, yeah. and yet at the same time, it's perfect. <laughs> mm. It's it's just ridiculous. Do yeah, I guess we won't say anything. Yeah, it just right. came out. Um, uh, so a little underwhelming from Disney Plus on Star Wars Day. They're only doing two like new Star Wars things. This this animated like vision. Only doing two new Star Wars. Well, things. they're they're, they're, they're spent millions of dollars. I never, I never watched Vision preparation for Star Wars Vision season two. See, I'm very then, angry that there's no new Arrested Development out for Cinco de Cuatro. Like, I'm very angry that they haven't continued that. Um, in Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures, it's just for like toddlers, and I'm like, what? This that's like the big that's like the big thing they're pushing with, is, is Young Jedi Adventures. Okay. I hope it's not canon because then I have to watch it, and <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you gotta watch a show for for four. What's the Marvel show that was for kids that everybody um, was like, it's actually really good. I don't know. I know there's like a Spider Man one that no, there's like really a it's like a whole one. Marvel universe one that's for kids, and everybody says Marvel. it's actually really good. And I my kids, I never they never it's watched. What it. if? I think. What if is that yeah. what it's called? Oh, what if was good yeah i watched yeah. that that one's not for they have like a zombie it, apocalypse episode it's really good it's like i know it's animated so yeah but it's not like, yeah. you're saying it's not specifically it's for not specifically for kids yeah there they was do a marvel like, show that i thought was specifically there for kids. probably was unless it, uh, unless what if isn't what you're thinking about um what if, just quickly we, uh, it's Bupkiss, 37 we, Bupkiss, we gotta go uh, the the pete the pete uh, right the pete the, davidson that's show. on peacock yes that's on peacock out today okay um yeah those, that's those are the highlights all right very good very good all right, thanks to everybody at, well, you know, to thank the guests first. Thanks to the folks from Hartford Community College. Thanks also to um, Abby Myers. Thanks to, don't say it, Cade Povich and to Randy Moss. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the. Oh, my God, it's so good. Tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Stan is in tomorrow. Uh, Jordan Good Geronimo, time. Maryland. Tra- the one, the, the Maryland transfer you guys wanted. Yep. Jordan Geronimo joins us tomorrow. Stuff and things. Stuff and things. All right, then. Hey, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. Charles, thank you, my friend. 
appreciated having you all semester long. Looking forward to seeing what's next for you. Please come back and hang out with us anytime. At charles.ap28 on Instagram is how you follow him. Thanks to all of our great sponsors and partners, uh, to everybody at Pressbox, as well as AJ Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and All-American Lacrosse. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday. Go Birds. Go Maryland or Hopkins. Go Towson Lacrosse. Go Mount Lacrosse. Duke sucks.